You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Egga on the other line. Egga, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. Let's just start off by saying happy holidays. You know, we're getting into the first big holiday towards the end of the year, Thanksgiving. Everybody got their food preparing. Got the ancestors pouring through everybody's aunties right now with the mac and cheese. <laughs> The turkey, the dressing, every everything. So let, let's get our low vibration on this week. No, nah, no, no bull. But something I wanted to talk about, bro, is I think we're starting to see a tide turn when it comes to Thanksgiving food or the, the main dish for Thanksgiving food. Because for a long time, it has been turkey. Everybody knows that turkey is the face of Thanksgiving. But I think a tide is turning, bro. I think ham is easily starting to become the superior meat over turkey, bro. How you feel? I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I see a lot of people talk about ham now when they talk about Thanksgiving. It's just ingrained in my mind to have ham for Christmas instead of mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. But we've had other meats for Thanksgiving for like the last few years now, at least. Yeah, at least like the last three years or so, because my dad will make his short ribs, which are good as fuck. Last year, we had oxtails for um, Thanksgiving. We had, we still had turkey. Y'all be cooking the real deal soul food. Yeah. yeah, bro. Yeah. Like we, we still had turkey, but it wasn't the main meat that everybody yeah. was going through. So we had short ribs before. We didn't have oxtails now. I think the only thing we really haven't done for um chicken and rice, I think the only thing we haven't done for real is seafood. We haven't had like a seafood Thanksgiving like some people try that to have. Be, now. I, I've seen because I've seen people start to switch it up from the traditional, obviously turkey and ham joint, and try to do the seafood. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just feels weird because seafood is something that you can get anytime, and turkey yeah. is something that you can get anytime too. But it's just different, bro. If you get the turkey and ham on Thanksgiving, like nobody's cooking a real deal honey baked ham. Like on everyday occasion, like you only yeah. making that on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Those are like the only occasions. But yeah, you just can't do seafood all the time. But yeah, because we is, in Florida, so we eating crabs and shit. Every that's what I'm saying, anyway. especially when you're on the yeah. coast, bro. <laughs> we eat that shit all the time. But I really hate turkey, bro. I've been hating turkey for a long time. And I've just been waiting for y'all to catch up to me with the ham shit. Because <laughs> honestly, I've been saying it for a long time. When it comes down to turkey, it just feels like turkey is just way too dry on too many occasions, bro. I feel like it's either hit or miss. When it comes to fried turkey, I feel like you have a better chance. But if you just baking your turkey, I feel like it's just too dry. I'm going to get a better and more consistent option when it comes to ham. And it's going to be tasty as fuck. With the taste, it's kind of up and down with the turkey too, bro. So that's why the ham has always been the more superior. It depends, like you said, like if you do fried turkey, yeah, you got a better chance of the flavor being there, but you could do turkey wings like in a gravy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I think you just don't like the traditional big I ass. I hate the traditional. I hate bake. the traditional. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the traditional. <laughs> but it, here's a trick to having it taste a little better. Because I think we did this one time. I think my brother suggested this to my mom and we did it one time. We cooked we we baked the turkey upside down and i mm. think like all the juices go to the top the the part mm-hmm. that everybody usually eats yeah so when you bake it upside down i don't remember how the hell she did it 
But when it bakes <laughs> upside down, all the juices seep to the top and all of the parts of the turkey that we usually eat. Because, you know, by the time you get to the bottom of the turkey, nobody even wants turkey no damn more. Yeah. But those end up being like the juiciest parts because they've been sitting in all the juice and flavors the whole time. So if y'all ever try to bake a turkey upside down, that could be the key to you liking the traditional turkey. But obviously, I say go with fried turkey, turkey wings with gravy and all that. Yeah. Try that if you're going to eat turkey for Thanksgiving, if you're tired of the traditional way. For sure. I'm just glad that the rest of the world is catching up <laughs> and maturing. <laughs> They're maturing, I would say. But let's move on to the NFL Week 11 recap before we dive into it. For all of your sports and betting needs, definitely go to BovadaSportsBook.com. The first thing we are talking about this week is the Cowboys destroying the Vikings, bro. It is crazy because we just had all those good things to say about the Vikings, even though we still question Kirk Cousins. I said NFC Championship game was the ceiling. And then just to get Molly walked by the, the Cowboys is what's throwing me off. Because you could have lost to the Cowboys, and I could have been cool. And I would have been like, okay, that's just the L. The Cowboys got a solid team. Cool. But to get Molly walked the way they did, 40 to 3 is where I got to take a cause to pause, bro. Is this team for real? We got to ask again, bro. Because all of that goodwill was lost with this game, bro. I, I, I'm sorry, but it was. I'm not giving up on them. You'll probably <laughs> give up on the Vikings. I'm not giving up on them. I think I, I totally agree. There's no excuse for them losing the way that they lost, but I'm still not giving up on them. Outside of that terrible loss, they only have one loss for the season outside of that, and then dubs everywhere else throughout the season. And Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, he's exceeded expectations, and this is probably the best season we've seen Kirk Cousins have. So for him to just regress for one game, granted, it was, it was a big game because you were, I think they were at home, correct? Against they the were Cowboys. at home and got mopped like they, this, yes. <laughs> they were at home. So I, I could totally understand criticizing. I could totally understand going at Kirk Cousins' head right now. The Vikings team as a whole, because defense, they got an answer for unanswered 40 points. But I'm not ready to give up on the Vikings. I still think they can clearly win their division. I still think they can win multiple playoff games if they're playing correctly. I doubt they'll play this terrible again. So that's why I'm not ready to give up on them yet. We just did see for a moment a flash of what we usually see with them. <laughs> and it's crazy because I feel like last week basically just got flipped on its head when it comes to these two teams because last week we were talking about the Cowboys. Is Dak for real? Is Dak legit? Is this defense a Super Bowl defense? And then we see Michael Parsons have the game of his life. Dak looked solid. The running game was back on track. Tony Pollard looked good. So everything was just rolling with this team when we just had complaints about them last week. So I don't know, bro. Are these teams just inconsistent? One just came to play. One was just resting on their laurels of having that big win against the Bills. I don't know, bro, because I've already had problems with believing in the Vikings and losing this way, bro. I, I have to take a step back, bro. I can't be on the NFC. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. That's what I, I have to take a step back, bro. I have to take a step back because we've seen on two occasions you've played the top two teams, or yeah, two of the top three teams in the NFC with the Eagles and the Cowboys, and you got mopped both times because you got mopped by the Eagles in Week Two, and you got mopped by the the Cowboys right now. So against the top teams of your your conference, you get mopped. So are you even going to make it to the NFC Championship game if you're getting destroyed by these teams? I mean, San Francisco, the way San Francisco playing, you're going to get mopped by San Francisco. So 
against all of the top teams in the NFC, I'm not confident that they're going to get past these teams in the playoffs. If they're in the wild card, maybe they'll be the sixth seed. But actually getting far and deep into like the conference playoffs, I can't see it, bro. Against two of the top three teams, you got mopped. Come on, man. It's a problem. It's a problem. I, I got hope. I think that's what I'm relying <laughs> on. You relying on Captain Burke? That's I'm crazy, relying bro. on that boy, Captain Kirk. But bro. that's, that's the thing. Like, do you really want to rely on that nigga, Kirk Cousins, bro? No, no, no. Like, that's I, what you're relying I'm on. Relying on him. I'm relying on him in the sense of, hey, don't let me down this time. But um, <laughs> hopefully, this is the day he fucks it all up. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say I ain't relying on him in the sense of his skill set. Um, what I am relying on is the weapons for Minnesota. So Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, uh, the defensive secondary. Like I'm relying on those offensive and defensive weapons to still make some shake. You know what I'm saying? Like Kirk Cousins, and we I've said this before, like a week or two ago. Kirk Cousins can get you wins. The team just has to be hitting on all cylinders. So if you're falling off in Huge any hit. other part of the team, you can't expect Kirk to just make up for that. He can't make up what other people fall off. Everybody mm-hmm. else got to be doing their job, and no one else really did their job on Sunday either. Nobody did their job. I, I agree completely on that one. But this shows you that when you go against a team that can match up with you on the perimeter like Dallas can, because Dallas does have a nice secondary, even though they have some pieces hurt in the secondary. I mean, Jefferson didn't get off at all. What Jefferson only had yeah. like, what, 60-some yards? Diggs did a good job on him. I heard nothing from Thielen. Hawkinson did nothing. So, yes, you can blame it on the team, but when you go against a team that can really control your weapons where Davin Cook wasn't doing anything, the weapons aren't doing anything, like what else do you have to fall back on? Your defense can play solid and stretches, but they even got destroyed. Like, what are you relying on? Like, with San Francisco, I know what I'm getting. I know their weapons are going to show up every time. And if they're, if uh, even if Jimmy G is struggling, I can hand the ball to one of the best running backs in the league in Christian McCaffrey. And that defense is top tier. And we've seen it once again when they played against the Cardinals, even though it was a backup quarterback. But we've been seeing that for weeks on end. Like, three straight weeks, the 49ers have been looking good. When you talk about the Cowboys, that defense, we talked about it for a minute, even though they didn't play well the week before, is a Super Bowl-level defense. And then when you talk about the Eagles, they're the most complete team in the NFL, so we know what we can rely on with these teams. With Kirk, it's like, if everybody's not hitting, it's like, all right, y'all niggas are done. Like, it's because in that situation can happen in the playoffs. That situation can happen. Because in the playoffs, everything slows down. Everybody focuses in on their main matchups, and you got to really go, you have to exceed the expectations. You have to overcome. And is Kirk the quarterback to do that? I think not. And that's why. I, compared against the other quarterbacks that we're talking about, against the Dak Prescott's, against um, Jalen Hurts, you know, even Jimmy G to a certain extent. And, and that's a coin flip, honestly, on who can have the better day sometimes between those two. But I understand your point. I just think. I don't think we're going to see it again. I don't think we're going to see them play that bad again. Of course, they could definitely lose another game, but I don't think we're going to see the Vikings have such a meltdown like that. And I think a lot of it was because of the game that they had against the Bills right before this Cowboys game. Two hard-as-hell games back-to-back. One was on the road, and then you're coming back to the crib. So you you got the home field advantage in this game, but you're facing one of the top defenses in the league with the defensive player of the year. You know what I'm saying? So I I give them some type of bail because the fact that they won that Bills game, I don't want to say off of luck, but just off of sure drive and just pure will, that's really how they won that game. I 
I think we're just more so shocked of how they lost to the Cowboys, not necessarily. That's what I'm saying. I'm not mad that they lost. They could have lost, and I still could have said NFC champ. It was the way they lost. So, yeah, yeah. you can maybe shoot them that bell, but I'm not. <laughs> so I'm just going to move on. I already had doubt in them. But moving on to the next game on the docket, we got Chargers versus Chiefs. And this, this segment is purely for the Chiefs, man. I think I've seen enough, bro. I've seen enough. And the Chiefs are the best team in football, man. I, I've been I've been hinting at it for the past couple of weeks, but just overcoming the charges that we've seen in Sunday night football was a hell of a W, hell of a win, and it comes down to number 15, bro. Just having him on his team, like, and this is what we talk about, just going back to Kirk Cousins, what I can rely on 15. No matter what everybody else is doing, I know who's going to show up and who's going to overcome the obstacles that is in his way, and it is number 15. We've seen it on Sunday Night Football, overcoming that and coming back on the Chargers. And we've seen it for years now, three years now, with him and his playoff track record. Him just being on the team gives me confidence that they're – I think they might – I think they're going back, bro. I know I've been saying that this is going to be the most wide-open season, bro, but it's starting to become very clear to me that this is the best team in the, in football right now. They are. They are. I, I, I can't mm, – Yeah. Because regardless of what the records say, we still got to have the eye test. I think the eye test is definitely important. Kansas City, I would not argue. Because we've been calling the Eagles the most complete team. But at this point. I think they're the most complete. But I think the Chiefs are the best team. Yeah. Like if they were to play right now, I I think the the Chiefs would win. I think the Chiefs would win if they were to play right now. That's true. Because it'll be a shootout. It'll honestly be a shootout. And sure. when it's the shootout with Patrick Mahomes, nine times out of ten, you're not winning. Because I, I was going to say, like, defensively, I do trust the Eagles more, which mm-hmm. goes to the point of saying, you know, they are the most complete team, especially when we talk about their secondary compared to the Chiefs. But, yeah, I, I can't really argue that. We still got the Ravens out there. We still got the Bills in the AFC. But you got to think about it, bro. I'm not, I'm not willing to give up on them possibly being upset. We can say they're the best team in the league, but okay. I think they can still get upset. But this is this is the thing, bro. And I'm, I'm getting confidence, more confidence in this team because of what Patrick Mahomes is doing and who he's doing it with. So obviously he had the bailout option of Tyreek Hill. He's always had Kelsey. He still has Kelsey. But the fact that they're developing these young players, like Sky Moore had a big game on Sunday. Justin Watson had a big game on Sunday. Travis Kelsey did his thing. You still got Kadarius Tony that they're implementing into this offense. And they didn't even have McCole Hardman for this game. And they didn't have Juju. Without yep. two of their best or two out of their three best receiving options, they didn't have. And they still came back on one of the, the better teams in football. I, I like the Chiefs. I like how, what they're developing. I think their defense is still solid. I think they get better throughout the season. I think every year the Chiefs defense just improves throughout the season. And I think this year is nothing uh, different. And I think their secondary also improved because that rookie that they're playing as well is improving. Yeah, what Pacheco. is my man's name? He's from Washington. It was talking about him the whole broadcast, bro. Pacheco? Um, not Pacheco. He the running back. It was a cornerback. Oh, damn. cornerback. Oh. M- McCarthy or? I don't know. Oh, number, 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 number 22. Number 22. I know who you're talking about. Bro, I know who you're talking about. I forgot yeah, he's the name, rookie. Bro. He's like a 5'10 cornerback. I'm yeah, blanking yeah. on his name right now, dog. Damn. Y'all go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but I think they're developing players on both sides of the ball. So it's not just offensively, defensively, they're improving as well. The linebacking core led by Nick Bolton, and you're always going to have Chris Jones leading that. You still got uh, my man, too, uh, 
damn, what is my man name? 55, Frank Clark. Like, they still have a lot of the veteran pieces that were on the Super Bowl teams, and they're developing people throughout that defense. So, the all around, the veteran uh, presence and the young boys, I'm liking the Chiefs this year, bro. I'm liking them. The Chargers, they, had, they hung in there. They got their wide receivers back. I think they can still make the playoffs. But this game just showed me more about the Chiefs, and it's how they came, came back and the pieces that they continue to develop, bro. I like what I'm saying. And you can also see the difference in quarterback play. I know Justin Herbert is emerging as being one of those top QBs in the league, but you could just see the separation that Patrick Mahomes has even over some of the best QBs in the league. It's like you see all these great quarterbacks week to week, and you're like, damn, bro, it's a lot of people neck and neck. But 15, like you said, bro, with 15 plays, with 15 snaps the ball, you could just see that, okay, there is a, a power dynamic here. No, <laughs> for really sure. talking about <laughs> the best of the best. Like, when you have every best quarterback on the field at one time, no matter how great everyone else looks, you see 15 over there to the side, you're like, he's clearly better than everybody else. Yeah. And it's crazy because we were having so many conversations about, oh, Josh Allen is right on his heels. Aaron Rodgers is still going to be that guy. You got Herbert. You got Burrow. So many other up-and-coming quarterbacks. But still, 10 games into the season, the, the best quarterback is still the best quarterback. And it's still Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Even with everybody still emerging, it's still Patrick Mahomes, man. And moving on to the next topic, we have is Zach Wilson done in New York. So this was really the talk of the town, really talk of the sports media. Y'all know how the sports media does with any New York sports team. But after the, the loss to the, the Patriots in heartbreaking fashion, they end up losing 10 to 3. The offense couldn't do anything for the Jets. The quarterback for the, the Jets, Zach Wilson, was asked the question, do you feel like you let your defense down? He bluntly answered the question, no. And everybody was up in arms after that re response because obviously the quarterback usually takes the accountability for any loss, especially the shortcomings of the offense. So for him to just deflect and say no and not take accountability was really stirring a lot of people the wrong way. So, Edgar, how do you feel about that point first before we dive into, like, his future? I, I think this is a situation where it's a maturity issue, and you have to know how to answer these questions. I get it. You're in New York. You're in one of the most fierce media markets in all the sports shit, period, when it comes to news. But and, – and you're young. Like, Zach Wilson, like, our age, you like 24. So, it's like, I understand – where he could have an issue with the media, but you have to understand what position you hold as well. What you say plays a huge part in how the locker room feels, how the coaching staff is looked at. So he didn't even need to give a long answer. Like he could have just said, got to play better. Like that's the only answer I can get. Like he could have said <laughs> something like that, bro. But to sit there and just flat out say, no, it wasn't my fault. You only had three points. Like, what the hell do you mean? It's not your Bro, fault. and let me put this stat out there. The team had more punts at 10 than he had completions. He only had nine completions, and the team had 10 punts. That is fucking crazy, bro. Wild, that is ridiculous. Bro. You don't feel like you let your, your defense down when you have especially, more? That's crazy. Especially when you got your own, your, your own teammates like Garrett Wilson like coming out saying like this shit is not okay, bro. Like it's it's not cool. He he wasn't trying to just blatantly call out Zach Wilson, but he knows everyone else in that locker room knows like this was a this was not a good loss. Like, and not to say that losing is ever okay, but 
you know how you feel with a loss that you had a fighting chance as opposed to a loss where you shot yourself in the foot literally every opportunity. And that was the Jets, bro. Like, so for Zach Wilson to sit there and say, no, it wasn't my fault when you couldn't generate any touchdowns, you couldn't even get into the red zone for like 95% of the damn game. Yes, bro, that's on you. The defense did their part. Like, the only reason y'all lost was, but well, at least lost in regulation. It was a punt. It was the was punt at the end. A punt. Yeah. So it was on special teams. That still wasn't even on defense. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future of Zach Wilson is. I don't know if he'll. I doubt he'll start anywhere else at this point. I can see him being a backup on another team, but I don't know what is going to happen with him with the Jets right now. You're getting bitched for Mike White, bro. Like you were a first round top, top draft two pick. Top two pick. And you're getting bitched for Mike White. He's inactive, bro. He's not even bitched this week. Like, he's completely inactive. There's no chance of Zach Wilson getting in this game this week against the Bears. So that, that says a lot. I know Robert Sala came out and said he still has hope and he's really just trying to reset with Zach Wilson and he feels he can still play. I know that was the PR answer to give, but I don't think that's how they truly feel in the locker room, bro. I feel like he lost that entire team. He lost he the locker interview. room that day because, yeah, bro, bro, we can deal with you having a bad game, bro. As long as you take accountability for it and you're taught at a young age as the quarterback, everything is on your shoulders, bro. So no matter if you really feel like this shit is your fault or not, you just got to take accountability. Like you said, it could have been something quick. I got to play better. It's my fault. Blah, blah, blah. You, do you have to mean that shit? It really don't matter if you mean it, but it has to come out of your mouth, especially for the media, bro. And you seen as soon as he said it, the whole locker room turned on him. I mean, Sauce Gardner started to like tweets about him, you know what I'm saying? Not being the quarterback yeah. of the future. Then, like you said, Garrett Wilson had a problem with it. I know the defense as a whole had a problem with it. Like, bro, you cannot say that as a quarterback of an NFL team. You can't. Or a quarterback on any level, you have to take accountability, bro. You can't be a young man and have maturity issues in that type of moment, bro. Everything is on you. So obviously that's a problem. And I think that is why he is got bitched. It's not because of him not having the skill set or whatever. It's he's five and two. Like Zach Wilson is five and two. I need people to understand that. But this is the thing. He's five and two. He hasn't played well in all of those games. That's something else I would say. They are winning five and two because of that defense. But I think he still would have been the quarterback if this situation did not happen. Oh, yeah. For he sure. still would have sure. been the quarterback. But yeah. the fact that he lost the locker room is why he was benched for this week and why his future is in question. Because, like I said, you went five and two, but it wasn't because of you. I mean, you can look at his stats. His stats don't jump off the page over that five and two stretch. He didn't do shit. You felt it was mostly the running game. Brees Hall was the reason they were really winning games. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about the quarterback at all. So I think his I think his future is in jeopardy. But this is the thing. With him being a top two pick, you just can't give up on him because you put too much into that pick to just say, it. yeah, it's, this is a situation that he just has to learn from. But he will once again be the quarterback for the New York Jets, bro. Because at, the, at pick number two, it's, it's nowhere we're just going to give up on you after two seasons. It's no way. You have to give him at least one more season to say, okay, let's let's try him one more time. Whether that's a QB battle and you draft a quarterback this year and have somebody battle with him, you just can't give up on him now. You, still, you have to still give him chances to show that he can be it. Because drafting at somebody at number two, bro, that's too much at stake. 
You know what I'm saying? Too much draft capital loot that lost. And you can really set your franchise back by doing something like that, by having a flop at the number two pick. Because you could have drafted somebody like a Justin Fields at number two. And you would have been in a way different position than what you are right now. You see what Justin Fields is doing. And you see what Zach Wilson is doing. You know what I'm saying? So look at the position you are in. So, right. yeah, bro, you got to give him one more chance to show that he can be it. After that, it's nothing else for him. You already seen the maturity issues, but he has to show that he can play on the field, bro. And that comes and, down to And him. I think I think if he can get that under wraps, he'll be fine, at least with the Jets anyway. Like, he'll be fine. If maturity issues, honestly, is your only battle, then, I, I mean, of course, he could still get better on the field. But we've seen flashes with Zach Wilson where it's like, okay, like, he can he can somewhat hold the starting position on a mid or bottom tier team, but the maturity thing, like yeah, that that's something that has to definitely change before he's seen as a starter again. I just think because you need the team to rally behind you, especially if you're if you've been labeled a captain. They voted him captain before the season started, bro. So the team was in your something happened within the last two to three weeks where you just took a nosedive when it came to accountability. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know, bro. Like that, that that's wild. Like you said, five and two this season of second round. I mean, second overall pick first round. Like you, you can't give up on them that quickly. I think if Robert Sala sees what he says, he sees in them and makes it work. We could see a more developed Zach Wilson by next season. But I don't even I don't think he'll start at all for the rest of the season. Honestly. Because even honestly, if they make the playoffs. We're seeing the same problems from Zach Wilson that we were seeing last year. And I think that's the bigger problem to me than the maturity issues. Seeing the same problems, not making the correct reads. And we're seeing the, the turnovers come at a high level. I think they have enough weapons for him. You got Elijah Moore, you got Garrett Wilson, they brought in a couple more wide receivers, you got Corey Davis. And we're seeing the same issues. I mean, he's on pace to have the same type of season he had his rookie year. I mean, in his rookie year, he had 2,334 yards, nine touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. And right now, he has 1,200 yards, four TDs, and five interceptions. And like you said, that's over a seven-game stretch. There's only one game that's really hopping off the page for me, and this is the 355 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks against the Patriots. And you still threw three picks. I was about to say, you still threw more picks. <laughs> and it's on 48% completion <laughs> percentage. So it's like, you're not playing well in these games. I mean, come on. He still has a lot of improvement to do, bro. That's, that's what I have to see. More than the maturity issues, he has to improve on the field, bro. Because if he would have said this, but was still, if still playing good, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We would Probably be like, not. oh, that's yep. what I'm saying. If he's balling on the field and he don't take accountability, as long as he playing good, that's all that matter. But you playing like shit, and you don't take accountability? Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> no, bro, you can't. No, that, that's not how it worked, bro. That ain't how it worked. And it's crazy, because I want to go back to that 2019 draft, too, bro. Because throughout that whole season, everybody knew Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one pick. That was a foregone conclusion. But Justin Fields was supposed to be the number two pick in that draft. And mm -hmm. everybody ended up during the pre-draft process, during the uh, NFL draft, during the pro days, everybody seeing this man couple, throw a couple of deep passes and was gawking over him, saying, oh, okay, he's going to be the future, da-da-da-da. Then the Jets end up, in my opinion, reaching for him, and we see him get taken at the number two pick 
Justin Fields slides all the way to where he slides to. And we see where their careers stand now. Justin Fields, with no wide receivers, is having the season that he's having. This dude, with wide receiver weapons and a good team and a good defense, is doing what he's doing. Getting W's, can't take that away from him, but not playing well in the slightest, bro. And I think that we got to give more credit to what Justin Fields is doing. And we got to look closer when we look at the pre-drive process, too. Because I think there's a lot of racism involved when it comes to the pre-drive. Because <laughs> that's the only reason why I think this nigga went over Justin Fields, bro. Because I think it was very clear in college who was the better quarterback. I was about to say, like, as usual. Like... <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. We always fall back in the draft while some, some unknown-ass white dude uh, goes up the rankings. Shit is crazy to me, bro. Because who was in the – um? what QBs were in the draft with Sam Darnold, bro? Oh, that was that. That was Baker Mayfield draft. Baker Mayfield. Uh, it was one was or two draft? other QBs in that, who else was um, in that, in draft, that draft. Bro? I think that whole draft class was pretty shitty too. <laughs> Baker Mayfield was in that draft. Damn, I do not remember. What was that 2018? Was that? 2018, 2018 draft. QB draft class. Let me look it up, bro. 2018. Oh, uh, you got Josh Allen was in that draft class. Oh wow. Lamar Jackson was in that draft class. Yep. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Darnold, and Mayfield with uh, four quarterbacks drafted in the first round. And Lamar was, was a Heisman Trophy winner. And he still went 32nd because everybody was talking about he was a running back. Once again, another example. <laughs> I was to say, because what, what, um, what number was Sam drafted at? Sam was number or, two. Uh, number two number or three. Two? Number two yeah, or number three. two or three. Because yeah, Saquon went number two and then uh, Darnold went three. Yeah. Ah, uh, yep, yep. But, but that's what I'm saying, though, bro, how Lamar, who is a proven person, but I can't lie, coming out of college, Darnold was looked at as being, like, one of the best prospects. But you see how far it sets your franchise back. And you can just go back to the example of Sam Darnold, how far it sets your franchise back. Like, damn, you had to completely rebuild your team again because Sam Darnold didn't hit. And now it's like you got to completely rebuild that goddamn quarterback position. The rest of the team is rounding out. But the quarterback position, you have to have that correct, bro. You cannot move forward in the playoffs without having that position intact, bro. So it can set your franchise back for sure if you don't have it. So we just got to see if they can make it happen over the next uh, year or two. Moving on to the NFL Week 11 preview. What we got for games of the week for this week? We got some good-ass um, Thanksgiving games. You thought it was good. I thought it was all right, bro. I don't, I don't know, man. I thought it was we all got, right. We got two good ones. That Patriots-Vikings game, that game going to be solid. And that Giants-Cowboys, the battle for Odell. That's what I'm talking Because <laughs> them the oh, only two teams, like, them the last two teams he really talking to right now. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. So I thought he was going to the Bills. Nah. The Cowboys oh. and the Giants, bro. Them the two teams that he been in contact with the most recently. Oh, and shit. those are the... Those are the two teams that, hey, they fighting for that Odell shot right now. They said he going to sign this week or next week. They said he going to sign gonna this gonna week. Sign to whoever win this game, bro. I promise you, God, he going to sign to whoever win this game. I can tell you who needs him the most is damn sure the Giants, bro. They lost to the Lions this week. They but had no trying options, to win, bro. bro. Like huh? he's trying to win. So do you want to go back to New York? Because that's where it all started for you. And we, we know Odell is 30 now. He's going to be 31 come next year. You know, mm -hmm. he's had two surgeries. He's on the tail end of his career for the most part. So he's trying to win. So do you want to go to New York? But you just and maybe won. win. 
But you just but, won a Super Bowl. But he's trying to end on high of a note as possible, bro. Because if you go back to New York, we know at that point, okay, you're just trying to end your career where it all started, and you're just trying to end at home. That's not technically York. true. That's not technically but, true. Yes, it is. No, it's not really. We He can show that he's still getting back in form and that he's still the elite wide receiver that he's known to be. Yeah, but are you winning? A, are you getting to the Super Bowl? What are your Super Bowl chances with New York, and what are your Super Bowl chances with Dallas? They're definitely higher with Dallas. For sure, they're higher with Dallas, but I think more comes with New York, though. Like you said, the sentimental value of being back, and I think he has a bigger opportunity to put on a show that Odell Beckham Jr. But is he, he, bro, he's gonna be looked at as the number one receiver as soon as he if he signs to New York. I mean, CD again. is still in. What's the name though, bro? CD is still there. Where in Dallas? And I'm talking about New York. Oh, oh yeah, he's clearly the number one. Yeah, but I don't want a 30 year old post two surgery Odell. What, what, <laughs> with their wide receivers, receiver. you have to be the number one because who else are you no. going? Wondell Robinson just got hurt. I mean, this team is terrible. No, bro, because Odell is going to be looked at as the savior, and that's just going to mean yes. more snap attempts, and he's going to have to be the number and one. More catches. If Odell, if Odell goes down and he signs to New York, then the Giants are just right back where they started. But if Odell goes to the Cowboys, you're going to be like the second or third option receiver, which means you're going to get second or third corners on you because they're going to put the primary on corners on CD because he's going to be the number one. We know Odell going to cook these second and third string corners and he's going to be that extra weapon. And if let's say Odell does go down, you still are the Cowboys. And you still got everybody you had before Odell signed. I think the situation just makes more sense for him to sign with the Cowboys. But I will understand if he went to New York. Go to New York. I think he has, the, and I think that relationship with Saquon Barkley will play a big part in where he chooses to go. Sterling Shepard too. Sterling Shepard, yep, Sterling Shepard too. And I think, um, what was I about to say? I don't think this is a decision for next year. I think this is a decision just for the right now. So I think he can play with the who, whichever team and then go somewhere else next year where he's going to get a bigger payday or whatever. It, it depends on how he looks this year. And I think that's what he's looking forward to. He's looking forward to that next deal. So I think he's looking forward to putting on the best performance now and putting up his stats. And I think the team that he can do that with is the Giants because you're going to get all of the targets, all of the our targets you can handle. Nigga, you don't even need to know the playbook. We're going to just tell you what route. Just I'm run that shit say, and we're going to throw it. We're going to we we tell you to run the route and you just going to throw it. we just going to throw it, bro. Because, bro, did you see them this week? I watched that game this weekend, bro. It was hard to watch, bro. As a, a Giant, I'm not a Giants fan, but if you, I was a Giants fan, oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Who were you throwing to? Wondell Robinson was the only option. And he got hurt this week. You don't have Sterling Shepard. You got Slayton. Darius Slayton is your number one with Kenny Galladay, who hasn't did shit since Detroit. Like, come <laughs> on, bro. Go to them, New York, and get your stats so you can get this big payday on the next season, bro. I think that's what he's he trying do. to win, bro. He said he's trying to win. So I don't know, bro. I think he can he can win. He can make the playoffs. If well, he can make the playoffs with the Giants, but <laughs> I don't know. You just won, though. It's like, damn, you just got a ring. He tried to get it again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the Thanksgiving games and the picks of the week, man. Damn, well, do we got a lot of good games this week? We do got uh, Bills, Giants versus Cowboys. Titans Bengals, the Titans and Bengals. Titans versus Titans versus Bengals. What else we got for this week? That's really uh... weird. For big, big games. Yeah, every, everything else really one-sided, for real. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raiders Seahawks might be interesting. I think the Seahawks will win, but it might be an interesting game. Everybody else should win. The people who look like they should win should win. I'm looking closely at that Bears versus Jets game just because I want to see how Mike White plays. He's already started some games before and he has put on big performances in those guys. I mean, he has a 450-yard game on his resume. He has good games on his resume. I want to see how he uplifts this team because, my nigga, if he comes out and lights it up, Zach Wilson's cooked. Well, Zach, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it now. Oh, if he comes out and cooks shit, Zach Wilson the, might be cooked. The Bears <laughs> have, like, the – what, 30, 31st ranked defense in the whole league? It ain't going to be hard for Mike White to put 300 yards up. Like, let's just say that. Now. Because what would have Zach Wilson done if he was in that same position? Is he putting up those numbers? But we're talking about a vet. We're talking about a vet, like you say, who has a 450-yard game under his belt, like going against one of the worst defenses in the league. Like, That's I'm why they set it up like this. That I, I can already tell you how the media going to spin this shit. They're going to say he's cooked after this game. I, pr- I promise you that's what they're going to say. They're going to say Zach Wilson is cooked after this game because they're going to see how he plays. But it's like Heineke, bro. You know how Heineke is, how he plays oh, yeah. well for in sure. stretches. But once that stretch is over, that nigga look like some shit. It's going to be the same way for uh, Mike. For sure. He's going to play well for like two games in a row. Then he's going to be like, oh, okay, that's why you were a backup. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. All right, moving on to the first game for Thanksgiving. We got Bills versus Lions. Uh, I got the Bills. They ain't going to be close. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like the Bills, not the Bills, but the Lions always get this 12 o'clock game and they always getting thumped. Like, we have to change the 12 o'clock games. Fuck tradition. I'm tired of seeing the Lions fucking up my Thanksgiving fucking afternoon. <laughs> I'm tired of these niggas, dog. But uh, well, they getting the them out the way early with the 12 o'clock game. But we why two, does we this have to be the game on Thanksgiving? Why do the Lions have to always play and the Lions suck every year? Because they, they be the they've been made that um agreement with the NFL like 50, 60 years ago. Like but they've been wow. made that 60 years. We're going off of a 60 year agreement that they planned in this game. You can't change it. Up. Thing, they've had Thanksgiving for decades, bro. Like <laughs> and what's the significance between Thanksgiving and Detroit? What's the significance? I don't know. They're just they're the, team, every week. <laughs> they're the team that literally got it. Them, the Cowboys. I understand yeah, I think the Cowboys. Them and the Cowboys. Those, those I understand are the, the, the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are solid, at least, to be watched. But it's like the Lions, uh, this year they're pretty solid. But in past years, it's like they always play, even no matter what their record is, no they're going to get their Thanksgiving is. games. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, you could have put a good team, an actual good matchup here that everybody hey. wants to sit down and watch. I don't know what kind of 360 deal they gave the NFL. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Like, they can't change this shit. They, Come on, hey, man. they on that uh, BT Tyler Perry contract. <laughs> <laughs> this shit crazy to me, dog. But uh, moving on, we got Giants versus the Cowboys. I'm picking the Cowboys, but I won't be surprised if the Giants pull off an upset. That's going to be one of the biggest games this year, bro. Because, like I said, it's the battle for Odell. I just think the Cowboys are going to win the battle. I think the Cowboys win this game in blowout fashion. Like I said oh, earlier, really? Wondell, Wondell Robinson got hurt for the uh, for the, the Giants. And they have no receiving options. He was the only one getting off on Sunday. And even he got hurt. So, it's like they're cursed. All of their best wide receivers are getting hurt. Sterling Shepard, gone. So who is you want Odell to come in and save the day? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> get your stats. Get your stats now. Get your stats. At least you that can get your stats. I can't do nothing. I'm a, I can just knock on wood for your help. I can just knock on wood for your help. 
Yeah, well, well, Odell to come in and say today he yeah, offered two surgeries. Bro. That's but my I'm dog. A... I love Odell, but I ain't counting on him to say the damn day. Say the day, Odell. I, I got the Cowboys blowout fashion, man. Giants don't got enough. Uh, Patriots versus Vikings. Uh, I got the Vikings. They at the crib again this time. I doubt they get beat two times in a row, especially after getting the ass as bad as they did last week. Mm, this is a tough one for me. Bill fighting to make the playoffs. Bill Belichick fighting to make the playoffs right now. Bill so. Belichick is in third, is he not? I think he's in third. They, they, they in third, but... I think all of their teams can make the playoffs, bro. I think it's still a possibility that they all make the playoffs in the AFC East. Um, Fuck. That's tough, dog. Vikings bounce back? But the Patriots usually take away your best weapon, though. That means Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. might not have a, that big of a game as we think. I'm going to ride with the Patriots, man. I'm rocking with Patriots for that game. Bears versus Jets. Ugh. I'm going to go with the Jets. Going with the mm, the Jets. I believe in that defense. Uh, Bengals versus Titans. Uh, Bengals. This is a two and a half point spread on Bavada. I'm going with the Bengals. Ooh. Is Jamar Chase uh, ready to come back yet? I, I, I seen so. a report about him he, uh, this week. What is I don't that? know if he's playing. Whoa, let me look that up real quick. Well, that's that's a that's a big deal in this decision. Cause they got the they got the corners that can lock down. Ooh, he is back. Limited in first practice back. He's back. Oh shit. He's I, I was picking him even if he wasn't playing. I was picking the Bengals either way. <laughs> Damn. That's tough. I'm, I'm gonna go with the Bengals, bro. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. Two and a half point spread. I'll take that. Broncos versus Panthers. Uh upset. I got the Panthers, even though both teams are trash. I got the Panthers. Did y'all watch the Broncos versus Raider game? That was one of the worst games I've ever Hell seen. Hell no, nah, I didn't watch that game. That's one of the nah. worst games I've ever seen. Uh, it's worse funny than that Broncos Colts game. <laughs> yeah, that shit was. It's, it's going to be on there. Like Sam Darnold is back to being a quarterback for the Panthers. <laughs> Actually, give me the Broncos, bro, because Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. So whatever. Uh, Bucks versus Browns. Uh, I got the Bucks on the road. Yeah, for sure, the Bucks. Falcons versus Commanders. I'm not Battle picking Atlanta. Or... I'm not picking Atlanta. Give me the Commanders. <laughs> Man, you talk about a turnaround season for the Washington Commanders, Bruh. Number four been putting them on his back, dog. Yeah. Uh, shout out to shout out to Taylor Heineke because they started off the season what two and five or two and six mm-hmm. or two and four, and they're six and five right now, and could potentially go seven and five. Like, damn. Like this nigga Heineke deserves MVP votes, no bullshit. And they at the crib. They at the crib versus at Atlanta. The crib. So the game is definitely um, winnable. Give me the give me the commanders, man. Shout out to Heineke. He definitely been putting on the show. Ravens versus Jags. Uh Ravens. Ravens, Texas versus Dolphins. Uh Dolphins. Dolphins. Chargers versus Cardinals. Chargers. Chargers for sure. Three point spread. Easy. Raiders versus Seahawks. Uh, I got the Seahawks. Man, before I move on from this game, I got the Seahawks too. The Raiders was damn. The Raiders was celebrating this game like it was their motherfucking Super Bowl, didn't it? <laughs> that was some. You see them? You see Devontae Adams talking shit like they won the Super Bowl? I said, damn, this is your third win, ain't it? 
Yeah, y'all are the, y'all still the biggest disappointments in the NFL, ain't it? That shit was crazy. Y'all seeing them niggas celebrating. Y'all quarterback was just on the stand crying last week. Now y'all celebrating like y'all won the Super Bowl against the fucking Broncos. Calm oh, y'all shit, shit down, dog. That shit blew me, dog. The Tim that Tebow shit, tear. That shit was. Hey, he really had a Tim Tebow ass effect, apparently, dog. That shit was crazy. These niggas out here cheering oh, like they won the shit. Super Bowl. That, that shit blew me. Uh, Rams versus Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs blowout. For sure, I got the Chiefs. Saints versus 49ers. 49ers blowout. For sure, nine and a half point spread. Definitely taking that on Bavada. Packers at Eagles. Uh, Eagles, but I think this game will be closer than people think. Ooh, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's a six and a half point spread on Bavada too. I I would actually take. Yeah, I think it's gonna Eagles be a low plus. scoring game. Yeah, it's gonna be a low scoring game. I would actually take the Eagles plus or the Packers plus sixty five, but I will pick the Eagles though. Definitely pick the Eagles. Uh, Steelers versus Colts. Uh, I got the Colts. Uh, shout out to Jeff Saturday. That man actually getting some dubs under his belt as a head coach. Definitely so, salute. Wow. And Definitely you're going salute. against the Steelers and you at the crib. So whether it's Mr. Biscay or Kenny Pickett, I think Jeff Saturday can handle that, apparently, since he already got a dub. <laughs> so I, I think he can handle And he could have beat the Eagles last week. It was a dog fight yeah. to the end in that game last week. The, the Eagles slid by. So, yeah, For Jeff sure. Saturday, I think he's been looking pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I'm going with the Colts for that one. All right, and those are all of our picks for the week 12. Moving on to college football week 12 matchup. We have number seven, USC beats UCLA in a nail-biting game. That game was exciting to the end. And then sure. oh, Michigan and Ohio State survived this week. I don't know Ooh. if both of these teams were looking ahead to the matchup that we got this week. To, to their matchup, but man, Ohio State was in a dog fight with Maryland, and Michigan was in a dog fight with Illinois. And both TCU of them was, on was in a dog fight too. TCU was in a oh TCU, you're right. TCU was in a dog fight too. So it's like uh, all of these teams are looking ahead because everybody's looking forward to the next matchup with uh Michigan and Ohio State playing this week. TCU has their eyes on the college football playoff. Y'all better take this shit one game at a time before y'all niggas <laughs> get your ass knocked up. For real, for real. But, yes. So, what is your biggest takeaway from this week? Uh, TCU, although their game was close as hell with Baylor, they had the most impressive win to me because of because of that last-second field goal that they had. I didn't know what the hell they were doing. I was like, bro, like, why would you do that? And it's like the clock is counting down. You have no timeouts. It's fourth down. That shit got the seven seconds. The field goal unit ran out there, kicked the ball, had the entire stadium silent, bro. So shout out to TCU for clearly practicing that play oh, all sure. week, preparing for this moment. Cause I was, I tweeted that, bro. I was like, bro, there's no way this play was executed that perfectly, and they did it on the fly. They had to have practiced that. No, so they shout practiced out to that. TCU. Cause they yeah, talked about to they, TCU for that. They talked about that on the broadcast too, about how teams practice that. They don't practice it that often, but like every. Like every for like 10 minutes throughout like a certain practice session, they practice like that certain scenario about we don't have any timeouts. We need the special teams to be waiting on the sideline and run out when the 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 offense runs out. Like that shit was executed perfectly that with just enough perfect. time. 
And I could I think he missed a um either a PA attempt or a field goal earlier that game, I mm-hmm. think. So the the pressure was on, bro. Like TCU season was literally hanging on that field goal. Yeah, they was cooked. If they don't win that game, they're not in the college football playoff. Somebody else moves up. So yeah. So TCU. Shout out, yeah, shout out to TCU. Um Caleb Williams, bro. I know a lot of people still got CJ Stroud as the Heisman favorite. I ain't hitting Hooker when he beat Alabama, but he's just been letting me down ever since then. But and Caleb hold up, prayers, prayers to him too, because he just got hurt too. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Prayers up for Hendon Hooker. He out for the rest of the season. I think it was what an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um prayers go out to him. But Caleb Williams, bro, talk about consistent. Talk about living up in the moment. Not letting the pressure get to him, bro. Like he has a poise to him in big moments in big games where he doesn't let shit affect him, bro. Cause they easily could have he easily could have let that lead UCLA was getting play with his head and they could have lost that game. But he stuck through it. He found a way to will his team and make plays when they counted. So Caleb Williams, he definitely put on a Heisman performance with that. They still have a chance for the college football playoff. I was telling if, you that if yeah. shit falls their way. Yeah, so, I mean, people. Certain people still got to lose, and the committee still got to make sure they don't bullshit them out of it. But mm-hmm. they're making their case. So shout because, out to USC too. Because, like I said, whoever wins that Ohio State Michigan game, whoever loses is out. And if LSU loses, they're out. So that means they move up to number four because one of those Big Ten teams getting out, and the LSU it moves from number five. So that's yep. what that's their scenario to get in. So there's still a chance because I think they're number six so currently. It would be Georgia. Ohio State or Michigan, one of those two, TCU and USC at that point. Yep, 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 yep. And uh, going back to that, bro, I know you heard uh, uh, Colin Kyle heard talk about uh, Caleb Williams this week, bro. You know what he said about him? Yeah. You heard he said about Patrick Mahomes? Oh, the comparison? Yeah, I was like, I don't know about that now. I was like, hey, I heard that and I was like, Interesting. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, but he's Patrick. That yet. <laughs> he's Patrick Mahomes. Like he can make every throw and has that same type of ability and poise that you look for in an NFL quarterback. I think he's far and away the the, the number one pick for next year. I think it's going to be oh, either yeah, him sure. or Quinn Ewers. I think Ewers still is going to be in that conversation too. But right now, it's Caleb Williams. The only knock you have on him is size. That's it. He can make every throw in the book, bro. He can, he can run outside of the pocket, make plays in the pocket, outside of the pocket. He can run. He's got solid speed. What doesn't he have? He can make correct reads. He's in a pro-style offense. He's in a spread offense, but he goes through his progressions. What, what doesn't he have? So everything that you look for, I think he has. He has the NFL leadership qualities, too. I like what I'm seeing out of uh, Caleb Williams, bro. I like what I'm seeing. What I have him for Heisman. Mm. I would say so, bro. They play off seed and is resting on. I wouldn't have Stroud. I wouldn't have Stroud in there. Stroud would not be my husband. Why? He in the conversation now. Whether he's he in the conversation, not that's different. There've been in too many nail biting ass games for him to be my husband, bro. And I think they've been getting saved by their defense and their True. their running game more than their quarterback. Honestly, I think their running game has been the biggest story. Um, damn, Caleb Williams, hockey will win because I haven't thought about this in so long. Because in my mind, the award was already given to Hendon Hooker in my mind. Yeah, for me too. Like, <laughs> it was if he didn't fall him. off the way he fell off, like uh, those couple of weeks after the Alabama game, it it would have been Hendon Hookers at that point. Especially if they be in playoff conversation still right now, it would have to be Hendon Hookers. I think it depends on how these the Heisman moment is going to happen this week and next week. 
if CJ Stroud pulls out this game against Michigan, he's going to have a Heisman moment. You have to have a Heisman moment in this type of a game. It has to happen. And Caleb Williams is going to play in the Pac-12 championship game. He has to make something shake. You already beat your, your crosstown rival, but if he shows his ass and has a Heisman moment in the Pac-12 championship, well, he, he, he can do it this week, too, because they play Notre Dame at the crib. Ooh, and Notre Dame, that's right. That's Notre cool. Dame is crept back so up, we bro. They, they're 13th in the nation right now, bro. So, so we're going to find out after this week who's going to win the Heisman for real, bro. Yeah. After this week, we're going to know. It don't matter who win or lose, who has the bigger Heisman moment will be shown this game. It's either going to be Caleb Williams or CJ Stroud. We're going to see this week. I would just go with uh, Williams because I think Williams has more on his shoulders, but that's just me. But I think I think it's definitely exciting. So definitely shout out to them. And now uh, I think that running back from uh, Michigan should still be in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Brian he, he Corum, should still be in there for he sure. He should still be in there. I think he's had yeah. a hell of a season, not Thanks. being talked about as much. Uh, everybody else after that kind of like, eh. I know Bo Nix was in that conversation, but they lost, so he kind of got dropped off. Um, after that, it's kind of like, mm. but yeah. And moving on to the college football playoff rankings for this week, we have the, basically everybody moved up one. I was about since, to say, uh, everybody moved up just like one spot. So. Everybody moved up one, so that's that's the thing. But like I said, it just everything becomes more clear now with the uh, the this big game coming up between Ohio State and Michigan. You got. TCU basically in uh who does TCU play this week? Uh TCU plays Iowa State. Okay. Is that are they right? I don't think they're right. No, nah, they're not right. Okay, yeah. So I, would, so I would say TCU wins in this week. So yeah, everything just becomes more clear because LSU still has to play Georgia. Michigan mm-hmm. and Ohio State play this week. So USC still has a path, but you know what, bro? This is what I wanted to talk about because I was looking at the bottom line on Bleacher Report today, or was it yesterday? It was on ESPN, actually, my fault. Bottom line on uh, ESPN. And they were going through, like, the percentages that each team has to make the college football playoff. I think LSU was at, like, 9%. I think USC was at 15%. Number seven, Alabama had a higher chance to make it than... LSU and USC, it, they were at like 20% to make the college football playoff. And number eight, Clemson had a 31% chance of making the college football playoff. That's how the rankings work. That's how the percentages worked out. Because after all of these games, with the, the games that USC still has on the schedule, the games that LSU still has on the schedule, the games that Alabama still has on the schedule, they said there is still a chance that Alabama and Clemson Make the college football playoff, bro. And that shit is just blowing my mind. Man, they they doing that off a of name, bro. They, they bro, they don't want them to miss the playoffs that bad. Like they they're trying, bro. The committee is doing all types of trigonometry and algebra to find a way for Alabama to make it, bro. Because they're really trying to find a way to sit here and say we can't have Alabama out the playoffs, bro. We just can't. That shit so is they nuts, they trying to find a way, bro, because it doesn't make sense. Like Alabama already got two L's, so they're in my opinion, and they they can't even win their um their division. What the fuck? Like they they can't. That's why I was so confused when I seen it. They said Alabama still had a. How do you have a chance? You can't even play for the SEC championship. They have that a seventeen percent chance, bro. It don't make sense at all. And that, that but that's why sense. Clemson had a higher chance than Alabama because Clemson can still win their conference. Even though they lost to Notre Dame, they lost to Notre Dame. But Notre Dame is getting higher in the rankings, and I think that's helping out Clemson because it looks like a better loss 
to a better team since they're ranked higher now. So if Clemson wins their conference, it's like, okay, if USC ends up tumbling, if LSU tumbles, one of those big team teams, uh, t- uh, big 10 teams tumble, it's like Clemson can. A lot of things have to go their way, obviously, because that's a lot of ifs, but it's mm-hmm. still a possibility, though. So that, I, I just wanted to bring that to y'all's attention, bro. Honestly, for Clemson to make it, TCU got to lose. Uh, of course, out of Ohio State and Michigan, one of them got to lose. Uh, USC got to lose. Like there has everybody to be like in front of them has teams. to lose. Yeah, literally everybody, everybody has to lose. So yeah. <laughs> everybody has to lose. So they still have a chance, apparently, bro. Which is just crazy to me. But uh, but those were the only big changes for for Week Twelve. Everything else is still the same. Tennessee dropped to number ten after the loss to mm-hmm. South Carolina. And blowout fashion. That shit kind of yeah, surprised me too. Wild. That I shit was crazy. That. I, I didn't, didn't see that coming at all. That game. That was crazy. Because it wasn't like Hendon Hooker was hurt at the beginning of that game. Like it yeah. was already a blowout by the time he got hurt. So that shit was kind of crazy. And then everything else is kind of like talk yeah. about a team that just spiraled down out of nowhere, bro. Like they had so much leverage, and then they just they just wet the bed for the rest of the season. I don't know what happened. Because they were number five last week, bro. They were number five. Yes. Like, things could have still fell their way for them to get into the college football playoff, and then you wet the bed against South Carolina of all teams? That's crazy, bro. That's not even your rival. Like, who who the fuck is South Carolina? (laughs) That shit is crazy. But uh, moving on to the college football week 13 preview. Obviously, we got the big game this week being Michigan versus Ohio State. And we got to talk about it, bro. Because yep. CJ Stroud and uh, JJ McCarthy, Brian Corum, this is the game. They've had some up and down. They had a good season, but they've had moments where they've been real up and down on both teams, honestly. So who do you think wins this matchup? I like um, Michigan, bro. I've been on Michigan more so than Ohio State this whole season, bro. I just think Michigan's team looks way more complete. I think J.J. McCarthy and these boys, they run a much better system. I trust Harbaugh. I think Michigan can get this dub. And they on the road. They're at Ohio State. So I think they can go into Buckeye Stadium and get this win, bro. And that's going to be major for them when it, um, when it comes to if they can win the college football playoff in total. So I, I think I think Michigan gets this dub. It's going to be a nail-biter for sure. We're going to see a lot of ups and downs, I think, on both um, teams this week. But I got Michigan walking out with that dub. I think Michigan has a big question at, at quarterback because I know he's a, he's a freshman. He's a young dude, J.J. McCarthy. But he has to show up today. That running game is not going to have you win the game. J.J. McCarthy is going to have to make big throws for Michigan to win this game, bro. Because I know C.J. Stroud is going to make the big throws. And I know Brian Corum is going to run, run, get some good yards against uh, Ohio State's defense. But I need to know if they are going to have enough at that quarterback position. And I don't have that confidence in the quarterback this season. Looking at his stats, they've been all right. He's having a solid season. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. But they're just not throwing the ball that much. He hasn't made enough Big time but they're, plays. They're for me. controlling the clock a lot better. They're controlling than Ohio the clock, State, I think, too, bro. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's gonna play a factor. Of course, with CJ Stroud, you know, it could be a shootout situation, which could lean in Ohio State's favor. But I think if Michigan can pound the ground with with the running game and like really control the clock the way they want to, I don't think McCarthy is really gonna have to have a super great game. He for has them to. to get he has up. to have a good game, bro. 
Like, I don't oh, he, think he's going to have a good game. I don't think he has to have a great game. Because C.J. Stroud can have better stats than him at the end of oh, the game. Oh, for sure. JJ I agree with that point. Up. But he has to have a good game. Like, and I think he has to make the big throws. Because Brian Quorum can have one of the best games of his life. But if J.J. McCarthy doesn't make those big throws, it will not matter, bro. He has to make those big throws down the stretch. Because I think Ohio State is going to seriously load up the paint. Where you are, they're going to have eight, nine bots, and they're going to dare him to make throws, something that he hasn't done this whole season consistently. They're going to dare him to do it. So are you capable? This is his challenge. He's young, but is he ready, though? And I think that's the most exciting thing about this game. And I think this game makes legends, and the legend of J.J. McCarthy can be made in this game. But it's all up to him. Sure. Can he make the big sure. throws? I'm, I can, I believe in Stroud and, and Corum, but it comes down to J.J. McCarthy. So, I don't know. I think I'm going to ride with Ohio State. I just have more uh, confidence in their playmakers. But it all comes down to J.J. McCarthy, bro. It all comes down to him. But this is going to be an exciting game. Boy, looking at some other games that we got this week, Edgar talked about it earlier, USC versus Notre Dame. That's going to be one Iron hell of a Bowl. game. Yeah. Iron Bowl. Florida versus Florida State. I think Florida State finna thump their ass for real. Nah, I ain't gonna go that far. <laughs> I think they I ain't gonna be surprised if they win, but I ain't gonna say they're gonna thump us now. Oregon <laughs> versus Oregon State. LSU versus nah. They playing Texas A&M. All right, everything after that kind of blast. All right, so we got Notre Dame versus USC. Who you got? Uh USC. Notre Dame been looking good. They might be on upset alert, but USC at the crib, so I'm, I'm going to pick USC. This is another game where you, uh, Notre Dame can control the clock. But once again, going back to Caleb Williams, this is his Heisman moment, bro. You got to overcome once again yep. to get that Heisman in his hands. So I'm, I'm rolled out with Caleb with that one. I'm rolled out with Caleb. You got Oregon versus Oregon State. Um, I'm going to go with Oregon. I ain't really watched Oregon State at all this year, so I'll go with Oregon. Yeah, me too. I go with Oregon. Auburn versus Alabama. Are you thinking? Yeah. I oh, come on, bro. Alabama. I don't care how they've been playing. Auburn hey, is not it. Auburn hey, is not it. I know they're not it, but that plays into more of a part of like, <laughs> damn, like, uh, I'm gonna go with Alabama. Hey, don't don't look at me crazy now. If this game start playing, and we looking like, damn, like, are they really folding right now? I'm going to go Alabama, though. I'm going to go Alabama. All right. We got uh, – nope. Nope. Uh, Tulane versus Cincinnati is a ranked matchup. Whoa, for real? Yep. Wow. Didn't I know they both was ranked? Uh, Mm -hmm. Damn. I ain't watched neither of these teams. I'll go with Tulane, though. I didn't even know Tulane was ranked, y'all. I'm not even going to lie to you. Yeah, Tulane was they play somebody earlier this year. They played UCF earlier this year, and both of them was ranked early in the year. Mm. So yeah, I knew they were ranked. I'm gonna go with Tulane. I like Tulane. Yeah, UCF 25. They don't win 25. And then we got Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. And boy, it's a lot of drama going down in Ole Miss. I I, I know Lane Kiffin think he's slick trying to take that job by <laughs> Auburn. That nigga think he's slick because he's talking about, uh, I don't know if y'all seen it, but there was a lot of reports this week that said that Lane Kiffin took the job at Auburn, that he was going to leave um, Ole Miss before the end of the season, all this. Then uh, basically Lane Kiffin just 
killed the report and said it is not happening. He told the team he's not leaving yet. So apparently he's waiting to the end of the season, but he could be on the move to Auburn. But do you think that's a good move for him? That it feels pretty lateral going from Ole Miss to Auburn. Uh I ain't mad at it. You just he gonna get more money. I about to say you're gonna get more money, but you're gonna have that roadblock in your way of Alabama even more because now mm-hmm. y'all gonna be in the um in the same division of the SEC still. So uh you're gonna have that battle of whether or not you're gonna be able to play in the championship game every season. Um uh, I think it's like that with Ole Miss too though. So but he might get more recruits with Auburn just because of it's Auburn as opposed to Ole Miss. I ain't mad at it. It, it could possibly work. It feels pretty lateral. It's like both of them are like middling teams. Can you? It's like it's. I think it's, there's there's a ceiling to how high you can put these teams. Now with Saban still being in effect, with all of these teams pretty consistent with Georgia and with the LSU's, I feel like there's a ceiling to how high Auburn can really get. Speaking of um, speaking of coaches talking about moving, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen, but it's been a lot of reports saying Dion been talking to uh, Colorado and USF. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a question of, do you think, do you, I don't think it'll happen as soon as a lot of people are thinking it's going to happen, but do you think he's going to eventually end up taking a power five job? And if so, when do you think he'll do it? Cause he just went undefeated this season with Jackson state. This is their first time ever. I think going undefeated. So he's won the swag two years in a row. And exactly. in the second year, they've been undefeated. So I I don't know. Like, is he gonna jump ship this quick? Or do you think, think no, he is, he's bro. still he's still gonna keep going and then later on get it? I think he's jump ship, and I think he's talking about it more, like the possibility of leaving more than what he has in the past. Cause he's always been on radars of power five teams getting jobs at like major teams and major uh yeah, major conferences. But I think he's talking about it more and more openly, like he's going to leave. And how high can you get at Jackson State, especially when you won the swag back-to-back years, they're undefeated. It's like, how far can I really push this? Am I going to be content with just doing this every year? Because they're, they're going to win the swag next year. They're going to win the swag the year after that. But what is he getting from it? You know what I'm saying? Like, you've already changed the culture of HBCU football so much in the short amount of time that you've been there. I mean, they have their own combine now. They're more televised HBCU games now since Dion. So he's already changed the culture so much that it's how much higher can he really go? You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's my one question. I think that's why he will be going to a Power 5 team and rebuilding a program. Because the programs that he's looking into, like Colorado and USF, they're not programs that have like a track record of being good teams. But I think he's looking to like a, a true rebuilding project. That's why he's not looking at Florida State. He wants to build a school from the ground up and really make them a powerhouse. And I think that's why he's looking at these two programs. So I think he's leaving and, and I also heard like with the talks of him leaving, like he's trying to open up the doors for his assistant coaches and whatnot so they can finally get like now that the program of Jackson State is what it is, they could possibly get more money now if they're the head coaches and mm-hmm. whatnot. I I just hope he wouldn't leave this quick because I feel like it's gonna granted he's making the change that we that you just alluded to like he's doing XYZ when it comes to bringing a, a 
bigger light than that was already on HBCU football and whatnot. And just the culture, the way he's literally turned the entire program and the facility of Jackson State around, I just wouldn't want him to leave this soon. Yes, you're undefeated now. Yes, you won the SWAT two years in a row. You're probably going to get on Coach of the Year two times in a row. But I think he should still stay a few more years, at least stay till your kids get out. Like, cause I, mm-hmm. I don't even think either one of them are seniors yet. I don't even think Shadur no, or, or Shallow are even seniors yet. Now, two two more years, like down the line, like when they're both going or whatever, and you have like a four to five year presence in HBCU football of winning, then okay, go ahead. At that point, go. You you brought the light to the to this area of the sport to where other coaches should have came and tried to do what you're doing by now. Like mm-hmm. if you if you do four to five years here and no one, no other black coaches or shit, even white coaches, whatever, no other prominent coaches are influenced to come to HBCU teams. You did your part. Like you did your mm-hmm. part. You did four to five years here. You don't won awards. You know, you know, built the program up to where they're a powerhouse in their conference now. Four to five years after that, okay, cool. Go go to a different power five school and do what you do. I just don't think you should leave now because mm-hmm. this like this is still something fresh that people are getting used to. Like and I think it would just it would kind of be hypocritical for him to leave so soon. And that's the thing, because what would happen with his players then? Will they stay at yeah. Jackson State or will they follow him to wherever he goes? Some of them going to follow, bro. They're going to follow you him. have some that stay, but you yeah. won't have a good amount that like, follow. And a player, the, the, a, what what does that say, like about the players who chose to go here I agree with instead that. of here? Like, and you I, I, I agree the with mindset that again. But that's what happens with all of these programs, bro. When a coach, you know, what I'm saying they recruit a player for however many years, and then they leave for more money or for a better opportunity, the players honestly get left holding the bag of like, what the fuck do I do? Do I follow you or do I stay with the school? Because like a player like uh, Travis Hunter, number one player in the country, I came to Jackson State. Because of you, because of you. <laughs> and, and now you leave. So do I stay at Jackson State? I'm having a great season my freshman year. And he has to answer that question, too, of like, can I get much higher of like dominating the swag? Do I have to go somewhere else? Do I follow him to dominate another conference? Like He has to ask those same questions. And all of these players have to ask themselves that question. And but I think the, the HBCU culture gets hurt by that, by them asking that question, because now you're leaving it. So it's like we were just trying to build it up, but now you're taking it away from us that quick. Well, we couldn't really shift the culture to have all of this talent pool like we were expecting a couple of years ago. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I feel you on that, but I still think he's going to leave, though. I still think he's going to leave. Yeah, I, I ain't got no doubt that eventually he'll leave. I just think after this season, I, I would be like, damn, like you just you proving everybody right of who's saying like you ain't really doing this for real for what you say you're doing it for. But that, he did, that's but, that's, but but we've already talked about the good that he's done in this short amount of time, but he's did his thing, though. Like, we but can't be mad at him because he's leaving for a better opportunity when he's changed I, HBCU culture. I wouldn't be mad of him leaving, bro. I just think there is a thing of leaving too soon. I, I think after two seasons, like, come on, bro. Like, you could have stayed. You could have at least stayed till, till your kids was done. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's all I'm saying. Like, you could have stayed, like, two more years after Shiloh and Shadur, like, after they finally done. Okay, cool. Travis Hunter will be, what, a junior or a senior by then? So his last season, by his last season, people will know who he is and where he's going to school at that point. So mm-hmm. I, I just think 
at least for the group of men that you have recruited heavily to get there and change their whole trajectory of where they're going to school. Like, cause you, you've had like what, four to five players transfer one schools to come where you are in the middle mm-hmm. of their college careers. So at least those group of men finish it out with them. Now all the freshmen and shit that's going to come like after the, the next two, three years. That you no, do, Cause then that's okay. unfair to them. Cause now they're left holding the bag too. No, I came no, here they, because of you. No, nah, because at that point, that's why, but that's what my point is, bro, of other people should be, other coaches should have been influenced within four to five years to, to come to HBCU, bro. And that's my thing. We can't, we can't put the total blame on him if he leaves after four to five years. If he leaves now, I'll be mad as hell. I'm not going to lie to you because it's like two years and enough time. But four to five years to like really show consistency and growth and having other coaches see, like, this is why I bring up, you know, other other black people who have played in the NFL who are, or who are college stars that want to be coaches or who are coaches. Y'all see he doing it. Y'all see he's doing it consistently. Y'all can come now. Like, because let's say Dion do 10 years and, and then he leaves. Like, if if we don't have any other prominent coaches coming to, like, really bring a light, like, what what's the – there's still no – there's still no efficiency at the end of the day with it. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. We have to hold other black coaches accountable now for coming over. Okay. We see it can be done. Now we're seeing it with this one coach at this one school. It can be done. What are the rest of you coaches going to do? I think that's the question we have to pose now to other people. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting conversation, man. I just think he might be done with it. Cause for example, Penny Hardaway, what if Penny Hardaway left left coaching at Memphis and he went to Tennessee State or some shit like that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we we don't have any other coaches right now making a choice to. No, I think that's I think that's different. Let's just say let's just say that he uh, Penny Hardaway was at HBCU. He was at HBCU, so he went to well, let's say he went to Tennessee State. He started off at Tennessee State coaching. He's coaching. He's turning around the the culture of HBCU. But he's winning the conference every year. They're getting to the NCAA tournament every year. How much higher can Tennessee State go? He gets an opportunity from Memphis, his alma mater, and they say, hey, we want you to come back. We'll pay you whatever to come back. He's going to go because how much can I change this shit? I can't just change this shit by myself. Other people have to chip in. Other people You can't change this shit by yourself. When you've reached the pinnacle for you, you got because he you got to think Dion still has goals for himself. He has. He doesn't want to just have the same repetitive goals of yeah, win the swag, win the swag, win the swag. He has other goals that he wants to achieve. Like I want to win the the college football playoff. You know what I'm saying? And that's not going to happen at an HBCU. So you got to think about his goals too. Like, does he want to keep doing the repetitive thing, even though it's going to end up hurting HBCU? He still has his own goals that he wants to achieve. Because he he hasn't even done some of the goals that he said he wants to do yet. Like, he's he said before, like, I want to play Power 5 schools with Jackson State to show y'all, like, look, when we get the right facilities prepared and funded, when we get the big recruits just like y'all, we can win games. Like, I don't, I haven't seen him, like, really play Power 5 schools, whether they're bottom tier, mid tier, high, upper tier, whatever. Like, he still hasn't even crossed that goal yet. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying of like, there are certain things that he's said he's wanted to do that we haven't seen done yet. And then there's mm-hmm. still the thing of like, there are certain, there are certain players that you may literally change their trajectory of where they were going, including your kids probably to where it's like, not yet, bro. If you're gonna, we're not mad at you if you leave. Cause we, 
if you set the foundation, like you did your part at that point, but don't leave yet. I don't think it's fully set at the moment. Like, I think he could do at least two to three more years to where you can at least do a, a full student college term or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hey, give me give me at least two to three more years, bro, before we just already hear rumors about you leaving. Because this ain't the first time we heard about him talking to schools because he said before, yeah. yeah, people, schools call me all the time. Like, of course I entertain it, but that don't mean I'm, I'm going to leave. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm not shocked to hear that he's talking to other schools. I would just hope he doesn't actually leave that quickly. So. All right. All right. And moving on to the NBA topics we have. Should we be talking more about the Indiana Pacers, man? One of the best, most fun teams I've seen this year have been the Indiana Pacers. They're 10 and 6 right now. I've been having a great season being led by the most improved player, most likely, in Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, they have one of the rookie of the year candidates in Ben Matherin. They got a good young squad in place. Should we be talking more about this team of being like a real threat come playoff time? I I would say no at the moment, just because even if they make the playoffs, I don't see them posing a threat to one, the Celtics, two, the Bucks. I don't see them posing that big of a problem uh, to the Cavs, to where the Cavs should worry about losing a series. So Mm -hmm. at least the top three teams for sure shouldn't be worried. Uh, When it gets to talking about the Hawks, Mm, they could pose a threat to the Hawks on whether the Hawks will win a series, but I would still count on the talent of Trey Young at the end of the day. So the Pacers have a chance when it comes to those middle tier teams, but if they're if they rise in the in the regular season rankings, let's say they finish the season as the third seed, if they have to play the Cavs or the Bucks or whatever, I do not have them winning a playoff series at all at that point. But if mm. they play anybody below them they have a, a swingers chance at least, but it still would depend on how talented the team they they're playing. So I think it's interesting, bro, because it, they remind me of that team that we were seeing in, uh, when LaMelo was LaMelo's first year in, mm-hmm. in Charlotte, when them boys was running the gut and it was the fourth seed in the, uh, in the Eastern conference. And then LaMelo got hurt that year at the mm-hmm. end of the year or towards the middle of the year. And they end up dropping to like, Eighth, so they ended up like being in the play in, and we didn't see them in like the actual playoffs. But they remind me of that team of like the style of play that they have, they can keep up with any team. I mean, they've been playing with good teams all season, they're in every game that they play because offensively they can keep up with anybody. You talk about the with the Matherins, with the Halliburtons, you got Buddy Hill, you still got uh Miles Turner, like you have a lot of good young pieces on this team. They're a they're a nice young piece away from being like a serious threat, you know what I'm saying, like consistently in this conference, bro. I think Matherin could easily be starting right now, but you still got Chris Duarte. He's been hurt most of the season, and you still got him. He, Y'all picked him in the lottery last year. He hasn't truly played this year. So it's so much potential that this team has, and they're just so young and so fun to watch, bro. If y'all aren't watching the Pacers, y'all need to, bro. They're one of the best teams I've seen, or most fun teams I've seen, dog, and I just love talking to them. Talking about them and watching them play. I think if they stay healthy, um, definitely playoff team. Um, because most of the East, like, is just full of young stars at this point. I don't see any of these. I don't see a reason why they shouldn't be a top four or five team by the end of the season. The way they playing, so I think as long as they'll stay, as they stay healthy, they'll have a chance. But I don't see them as a threat to the top three teams at all right now. Yeah. Oh, definitely not a threat to them. Definitely not a threat to them. But yeah, I think they can make some type of noise, win a couple of games or something like that. I like, I like the team, though. Moving on. 
Can Trey and DeJounte Murray make it work in Atlanta? So Atlanta have has had a pretty good start to this season. They're 10 and 7 right now, probably 11 and 7 right now. And they've been having good games, but it's certain games that I watch in full and I still question the backcourt. I don't know. Maybe it's too quick to actually judge. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who is a Hawks fan. He said maybe it's too quick. Maybe we have to give them more time to see them jail. But in certain games, I question can they fit because they both need the ball so much. And we're not seeing that development from Trey that I thought we were going to see with him playing more off ball. He's basically playing the same way he did last year, but now DeJounte Murray's on the team. And that's not what I wanted to see. I wanted to see him. I wanted to see DeJounte with the ball in his hands and like Trey off ball and more of like a Steph Curry role where he's uh, having the defense gravitate towards him off of like off ball screens or just creating that type of momentum going his way. But we're just not seeing it. I don't know if that comes down to coaching, not putting him in the right positions, but I don't know if it's going to continuously work if they keep this same style of play even going throughout the season. I think it's too early to tell at the moment. Uh, like you said, they're currently 10 and seven right now, um, six and four out of their last 10. I think it's still too early. It's not even Christmas yet. And this is a still a young dynamic duo, as great as both of these players are. They're still really young. And I think it's going to take them a lot longer to not a lot longer in a sense of majority of the season, but it's going to take longer than we expect for them to jail, as opposed to if they were like six, seven year vets at this point. But I think, after all-star break i think that'll be where we can really figure out like that month of the the end of february early into march we'll know what this duo is at this point i think right now it's just too early to tell but i i got faith i think it can work i think it does come down more to coaching like you said they're, they're gonna have to change their offensive scheme trey can't hold the ball for as long as he does he holds the ball for majority of the shot clock i think still right now so i i think doing a lot of off-ball screens, doing a lot more pick-and-rolls where he's uh, letting DeJounte Murray really be the ball handler, I think it'll be a lot more effective. But it's too early to tell right now. I think it can work, though. Because people can say it's too early to tell, but if they're having the same offense in February, for example, what the hell is there to tell if they're they're doing the same thing? Oh, yeah. If they season? if they keep doing the same thing, then that's yeah. That's what I'm like, saying. We, and I, and I, and I think that's we my know. point. They're going to keep doing the same thing. And I don't think Nate McMillan is going to tell Trey Young to tell to get off the ball. I think certain, I, and I think him, you have to, but I don't think he is. Trey is has been this player his first three years in the league, and nobody has told him, not even a little bit, to go off ball. Even though he's had the lack of talent in his first couple of years, you have enough talent around you, bro, so that you don't have to be on the ball all the time. I think he's playing more off ball this year, but he's not playing off ball in the way that I think he should be playing off ball. Like, he's just standing in a corner most times. I think there should be, like, backdoor screens while DeJounte is at the top of the key making shit work at the top. You know what I'm saying? Not just him standing in the corner just waiting for DeJounte to make a move. Like, that's not offense to me. You know what I'm saying? And even when Trey has the ball in his hands and DeJounte is in the corner, that's not the most effective way to get the most out of these two players. You have two ball-dominant players. One of them has to take a step back. And one of them has to either have off-ball screen movement. Like, you just can't do what you've been doing to start this season. Even though they're 11-7, and 10-7, and 7, I still think there's going to be problems moving forward because I don't think anything will change by that time. I'm just calling and it early. DeJounte is more of a playmaker than Trey. So That's I what I'm saying. I would want him holding the ball a lot more anyway, to your point. So 
But I, I think, no, I, the reason why I think DeJounte should be holding the ball is that he's not as good of a shooter as Trey. So right. have him on ball and have Trey off the ball because Trey's going to get better looks. Trey, Trey can make something shake off of pin downs. He can get easy lobs to Capella off pin downs. He's a you better catch and shooter too. He's so. a better catch. Like, it's so many reasons why Trey should be off the ball and why DeJounte should be on the ball and why better offense should just be ran for these two stars. But we've had we've seen no hits of that in the first 17 games. So why do I think in game 55 that anything is going to change if I haven't seen a sit or a hint of it in the first 17? Even if they somehow jail and one is now sharing the basketball, I still don't think that's how they reach their highest potential to really be a threat to anybody in the Eastern Conference, truthfully. That's why I say there has to be a change to the system of offense that they're running, bro. It has mm-hmm. to be a change there. It just can't be some shit where we jail and we close as friends. Like, man, shit ain't going to work. <laughs> All right. And moving on to the last topic, we got what's up with the Golden State Warriors. So currently, the Golden State Warriors are, what, 8-10 and 10 right now? Yep. They're 0-8 on the road. It's been a tough look for Golden State. Obviously, coming off of a championship, Clay coming off of injury. We had the drama in the offseason with Draymond and Jordan Poole. But they're just having an offseason. Nothing really looks consistent. So what do you really think is up with the Warriors? I'm I'm not sure. And they're, and they're playing the Clippers right now. I think they're down a few points. But I'm not sure. They don't really have an injury issue right now. I think Iguodala, the only person out, he's been out since the ninth. But that ain't nothing to where it should affect your team at all. I, I'm not sure. James Wiseman went to the G League, so I don't know how much that affects them when it comes to rim protection right now, when it comes to defense. But I, I'm not sure, bro. I, I have no answer for what the Warriors are going through right now. I can't sit here and say it's a it's a championship. Um, what what do we call it? Uh, championship. Or what bust? do we call? It? Yeah, champ- not championship or bust. You know, when you coming off of that championship, oh, championship you, hangover. Yeah, yeah. I, I doubt it's a championship hangover. Like they have a culture there of winning now, so I doubt mm-hmm. it's that. I'm not. I'm really not sure what it is. Like I haven't seen the last few games, but I, I have no answer for what's going on right now. And the crazy thing about it is it, they have no problem with their starting lineup. Even with yep. Clay struggling in this, even with Clay struggling coming into this season, the problem is off the bench. The problem is there. Because if you watch a Golden State Warriors game, you can watch the first quarter, they'll be up by 10 points. You mm-hmm. come back and you flip the game on at the end of the second and they're down by 10. And you're asking yourself, what the fuck? They were just up by 10. The bench loses all of their leads. I mean, the bench is terrible, bro. And, and they have a y- lot of good young pieces on their team. You, We talked about it before the season. Moses Moody is supposed to be developing. Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman. You still got Poole coming off the bench. But as a unit, they have not been good and have not caught up to the level that the starting lineup needs them to be if they want to be a championship team this season, bro. They're very much lacking. The starting five is still the starting five, and they are the reason – why they're still getting up in big leads and their reason why they're still winning games, but the bench is killing them every game. And I, and I literally mean every game, the bench is killing them. You can look at plus and minus, and I think that plays like a huge part in how you can show who's losing you games. Yeah. And you can look at the, the plus for like somebody like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson will be like plus 20, mm-hmm. and the bench will be like minus 25 as a whole. And it's like we can clearly see the reason why we're losing games is our bench. And that's, that's what we have to see. We have to see a development from the young players. 
Will it come this season? Are they still too young to really catch up to the starting five? I don't know. But that is the problem for Golden State right now. That is the problem. And that has to change. I see that James Wiseman, he got recalled to the G League. So hopefully he develops there because I still think there are solid pieces or solid things in this game that can be utilized by the Warriors. But he has a uh, he has a he has an ability where he doesn't want to really commit or buy into the offensive system. He still wants to do his thing. And Golden State has a structure in place where they have things in place and everything revolves around Steph and shooters. And I don't think he, it clicks in his mind just yet how he wants to run the offense, how they run the offense over there. And I think that's why they sent him to the G League. And those young players, they still have to just, like, come along, bro. They have to get better. I think Poole this, will be fine. This is why I said, will Dwight Howard be a warrior? That was Dwight Howard is in Taiwan. Like, he will not be back anywhere anytime soon. Oh, hey, that, that boy playing like Will Chamberlain over there. That you see, you see the stat line? You see the stat line? That shit was crazy. That shit was crazy, dog. He was, what, he had like 50, he was shooting threes and shit. I was like, this nigga that man ass. was Will Chamberlain <laughs> over there. Chamberlain. <laughs> That nigga, hey, that nigga was balling over there. I ain't gonna count. That nigga Dwight was balling over there in Taiwan, man. Shout out to Dwight. Man. But yeah, man, they definitely they definitely need a, a, a jolt on that bench. But the biggest question I have to ask is, will it be best to package up all of those young young players and send them off and get a veteran in return? Is that the best option for them, or it, will it you just continue to develop? It depends how many players you're talking. You're talking about like two, three. If you package up all three, if you package up Moody, mm, Kaminga, uh, Wiseman, mm, and you get in mm. a, a good player in return, what'd you do? Nah, not all three of them. No. Mm-hmm. At, so at most, three, it would be would. two. At most two. Mm. Yeah, I, I ain't giving up all three because you, you still have to factor, yes, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, but he's getting older. Clay, yes, he's having a great comeback off his injury, but you got to look at his career now. Draymond's getting older and outside of just being a fire for the team, he's not having as much effectiveness. You got to still keep that young incoming core, you know, like that core group. Like you still have to keep them, especially if they've been practicing with this team the whole time. They understand the culture. Steve Kerr is building relationships with them. You don't want to trade that off for a veteran player who you know will be good, whoever they whoever they would get. But you have to think about the future still if you're the Warriors, if you want to keep winning. You just mm-hmm. want a championship. I know the goal is to win a championship every year, but you have the rings, you have the foundation of being a winning franchise. Don't be afraid to rebuild this year on top of still – having your star players start. But like I said, you still got the championship court in place and Clay and Dre and Steph are not getting younger. They, they can they, still compete for one, but don't be upset if you guys don't. Don't be upset to the point to where you feel like you just got to make this huge-ass move and get rid of all your future just to win this season when you're not mm. a franchise that needs to do that. Like, now, if you are if you were in a situation where – you're maybe the Celtics or something where it's like, no, bro, like we we haven't won and we've been trying to win for years now. Let's make that move if we can make that move. That's not mm-hmm. the situation with the Warriors. It's like, bro, out of the last 10 years, we got like four or five rings. Like <laughs> we we're not hurting for that right now. So mm-hmm. I think the Warriors are in a situation where they wouldn't need to trade any more than two players if they're trying to get a like a third scoring option. 
Mm, so you think they should pick development over championships? I, I think pick development over championships right now, especially if you can still compete. Right now, what 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 did we say? They're ranked, they're ranked 11th right now. They ain't finna stay any lower than like the 7th or 8th seed this season. They'll make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. j- just go with that. Yeah. It's a tough decision for me, bro, but I think you have to take advantage of the time that you have with Steph. I agree I wouldn't trade all three, but I would trade two, bro. I've seen enough from a couple of players. The only one I would truly keep is Moody. I would try to keep Moody as much as possible. I thought she was Kaminga. I think Kaminga is good, but I think he needs he needs more run and opportunity where it's not like a short leash. And I think that's the, what he's getting in Golden State. It's like... Okay, you can play for a little bit, but damn, if you make too many mistakes, you're going to get pulled. I think he needs to go to a place where they're going to let him make his mistakes, and I think that's how he's going to improve. I don't think he can really truly improve unless he goes to the G League, but I don't think that's going to happen. He's too valuable of a, a role player yeah. at this point to like go to the G League. So I think you're, you're better off trading him and Wiseman for a player that can help you right now. But keep Moody. I think Moody is can help you down the line. I've seen him in playoff games last year have big plays. I would keep him, but Kaminga and what's his name? I would, I would, I would trade because him. you got to think about Jordan Poole in this situation too. Jordan Poole, out of all young players that the Warriors have on their bench, starting lineup, whatever, out of all the players on that roster, Jordan Poole is for sure the future of the Golden State Warriors mm. when it comes to the incoming youth that they have. You want somebody or multiple players to be with him. You don't want him in a situation where by the time it's done with Steph and Clay and the rest of them, you just got Jordan Poole by itself, and now you're bringing in new players. Let mm-hmm. players grow with him to where it's like, okay, we know Poole is the star, but also Moody has been here for a couple years. You know, Kaminga's been here for a couple years, so they have chemistry. I think mm-hmm. keeping chemistry around for Jordan Poole is going to be big with the Warriors' decision. And I think a huge question that the Warriors have to ask themselves, bro, is is – Poole, Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman. Is that a championship team in the future? After Steph, after Clay, after, you know what I'm saying, Dre, is that core four a championship four? Is it too early to tell? Maybe. I'm but I think that's too early. But that's a huge question. You've seen enough. You've seen them play together. You've seen it. They've had games where they've just had Kaminga, uh, Poole, Moody, and Wiseman playing games. Because I think a couple of games against the, the Pelicans, they didn't play mm-hmm. Steph, Clay, and Dre. So you've seen them on the court together. Like, you can tell about flashes. It's all about flashes. Okay, we can't trade him. He's shown enough that he doesn't get traded. But you have to ask yourself, is that the core four for our future? Or do we just go all in on this Steph window? And I think you got to go all in on this Steph window, bro. Because <sighs> how long is it going to last? Clay is how long is Clay going to last? Because it's not just Steph. Clay has to be there, too. Dre, we just talked about it with that pool situation. He might be on his last year with the Warriors. That's a huge deal. So it's like, bro, niggas are starting to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to, like, take advantage of the time that you have now. So if that means trading a couple of the young players for a player, hey, man, I think you got to do it, bro. I think you got to do it. Especially if a a player like Kevin Durant comes available. You would would be setting up the Warriors fans to just have a huge rebuild later down the line. I would take that. I'd rather win as many as I can and go through my rebuild phase in the past. But I know I just won seven of them things, so y'all can't climb my fan base or my franchise. I'll go through my my rebuild. You know what I'm saying? I got the the centerpiece of it in uh, Jordan Poole, and I'll just deal with everything else. Moving on. 
I got college basketball. College basketball is back, obviously, but it was really back in full effect this week because we've seen a lot of tournaments throughout this Thanksgiving break. Uh, mm-hmm. I seen man, I seen a couple of good games yesterday, man. Creighton versus Arkansas was one of the early games of the year for me. Man, Anthony Black, if y'all have not seen Anthony Black play in his first couple of games in the Maui Invitational, that man is sensational and special, dog. He had 26 and 6 in his first game, 26 and 5. And it's just not the stats with him. It's the way he makes plays. He makes everyone around him better. And it's the intangibles. It's not just the shot. It's not just him getting to the basket. It's not just him making plays. It's just the intangibles that stick out with somebody like uh, Anthony Black. He was already like a top 10 projected pick in the NBA draft. But how he looked in those first couple of games I've seen him, he looking like he could be top three, bro. And the funny mm. thing about Arkansas, they ended up losing to Creighton. And Creighton is honestly a very good team this year and a team that everybody should be on the lookout for. But the crazy thing about Arkansas, they did not have Nick Smith Jr. in this game. He's still out with a knee injury. And they were still toe-to-toe with a very good Creighton team, a Creighton team that can get it to the Final Four. And they didn't have one of their best players. Like, Arkansas is going to be scary. I told y'all earlier, a couple of weeks ago, when we before the season rankings and before the season expectations, Arkansas is my team that I'm riding with, heavy dog. I love the squad. Trayvon Brazil has showed me a lot. He's not just a dunker. I think he had one of the dunks of the year already this season. Yeah, I saw that. Back on Buddy and yeah. <laughs> he already has a dunk of the year candidate, so he's athletic, but he showed me a lot when it comes to his three-point ability. They had a couple of other shooters on that team. I like Arkansas a lot, man. That was my biggest takeaway from uh, this week. Arkansas is, is it, and they haven't even played to their fullest potential. I don't know if I necessarily have, like, a big takeaway from uh, this past weekend, but the last few games I've seen, I saw when Texas Tech played Louisville. I went in and out that game a little bit. Texas Tech is impressive as hell. They blew Louisville out the fucking water. Arizona looks pretty good. I saw them. Um, I saw some highlights of them playing Arizona State. Uh, Kansas, Kansas is Kansas, so I wasn't too surprised by anything with that. But Ohio State, Ohio State impressed me with their upset on Texas Tech when um, when they played at the crib. So I, I don't I don't know what I expect from Ohio State. I don't think I have too many expectations. I want to talk about Ohio State. But but that was that was a big upset. I want to talk about Ohio State, bro. They're building a juggernaut in Ohio State, bro. Holden is building a juggernaut. Because not only does he have a lot of veteran players on this team, because he ended up uh, getting the transfer from West Virginia, Sean McNeil, who is a sniper uh, on his team now. But he has a lot of young boys on that team. When you talk about uh swing, you got uh you got Sensabaugh. Sensabaugh was one of the best players in Florida last year. I remember hearing his name. I think he won player of the year in Florida. He ended up going to Ohio State. He's like the sixth man of the year. Like, bro, Ark, not Archibald, Ohio State has a lot of young talent. I think they had like a top five to ten recruiting class this year. And they're building a juggernaut over there with the vets that they have in place with Zed Key. There could be a problem if their young players continue to develop throughout this season and go through the ups and downs. Like you said, Ohio State showed me a lot this year, bro. Has showed me a lot already. So I like that they're showing. Another team, I've loved what Baylor has shown this year. Baylor is another team that you're going to have to look out for because Baylor has Keontae George, Adam Flagler. You still got uh, LJ Cryer. He was hurt last year. LJ Cryer is back now. So I think their guard play is going to be something that carries them far 
throughout the Big 12. And obviously you got Kansas. I think Kansas is like, what, a top two team, top three team in uh, college basketball right now. And I think they're going to be a top three uh, team for the rest of the season. They're they're so – I don't know what, what – what is the word I want to use, bro? They're so fundamentally sound. And I think that's why every year we get the same product with Kansas. No matter whether they lose early in the, the, the tournament or they win the championship like they did, they did last year, you get – something every year you get a breakout player and you're going to get the your point guard is going to play solid basketball they're going to have a center that plays solid and all of the wings play basically the same way just face the floor and hit shots and it works every year they have one dynamic player shooters a point guard that can make plays and a big man that can dominate the paint it works every year they just have a fundamentally sound system in place they they do so well with playing back to the basket with their big men, like you said, and the way they just spread the floor, bro. Like it's it's just common sense basketball. Like, and I I think a lot of times we focus on like the star players in college and like the oohs and the ahs of you know the breakout players that teams can have, and sometimes there's multiple. But when you're like you said, when you're just fundamentally sound and you really are beating people with textbook style basketball. And you have a like at least one breakout player on top of that, you you're hard to fuck with at that point. So I, yeah. I definitely agree. Kansas is always a threat, and that's how they always remain a threat. Cause Jalen Wilson is going to be that breakout player this year. I think he's gonna win Big 12 player of the year. I was somebody who looked at Jalen Wilson a long a couple of years ago, and I I knew he was gonna be in this position, but it was just a lot of people that were in front of him, like Ochaya Baji. You still had Chris Brown who was there. But this is his season to really take over. And I think this is going to be his season that he really dominates this year. They got some good young players, but I think Jalen Wilson, this is his season. And they remind me of, of Villanova about like the fundamentally sound basketball. You know what you're going to get every year. And they talked about it on the broadcast today about Kansas has the most role players in the NBA, the most non-star role players in the NBA. Like they're getting their 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 style of play being fundamentally sound translates to the NBA. So this is the team, this is the team or the school that a lot of people still want to go to, even though you're still in a system, you you see where it ends up getting you because you know how to play a role once you get to the NBA, and it's so trans so uh, easily translatable. And I think that's something that a lot of people take for granted because Villanova is another one of those schools. They they have a lot of role players in the NBA. But everybody wants to be the star. Everybody looks at the stars. But the role players that you put into the NBA is also a testament to the coaching, bro, because they're not one-and-done prospects. Those are players that are there for a few years, get molded into the players that they are, then go into the NBA. And I think that's what shows who are the best coaches in the NBA. That's why I think Jay Wright is one of the best coaches. And that's why I think uh, Bill Sub is one of the best coaches, too. And I think that goes to the point that um I don't I don't know if you remember the clip, but it was like a year or two ago when Bradley Bill was talking to his high school senior team uh for the basketball mm. program that he has, and he was telling them like, bro, like can you win basketball games? Like can you contribute to the team and play as one sound mind to mm. where we win games? He said, get that bullshit out y'all head that y'all finna go to college and average over twenty points. Nobody at college is averaging over twenty points a game. Like, it's just not happening. Are you playing cohesive? Like, are you making the dives for the balls? Like, are you making, like, the pass that sets up the shot? Like, are you are you just being a defensive presence? Like, are you, are you finding ways to win the game? And I think that's what Kansas does so much better than a lot of other programs 
they find ways to win games. Yeah, you have one player every now and then who's clearly like the top prospect, like Quincy mm-hmm. was just saying, but they find a way to win every single time. And one game is this player, one game is this player, one game is this player. And then before you know it, everybody on the team has at least 15 points at the mm-hmm. end of the night. So, yeah, I love the style of play, man. And moving on to two wild Wednesday. What you got for this week? Uh, so my first two wild Wednesday poll, uh, Kawhi Leonard is officially out of his prime. Too wild or not too wild. Kawhi Leonard has only played five games this season. He's clearly um, dealing with some injury issue again. We've been waiting for Kawhi for over a year and a half now, but we we got to start asking this question, bro. And it's not anything to do with his play style because when healthy, we know what, we can, what he can do. But he can't stay healthy, apparently, and we have not seen this man play, and he's not playing consistently. So Kawhi Leonard is officially out of his prime, too wild or not too wild? Not too wild. But it depends, I would say, how far he is out of his prime. Because I think a, a couple of players are out of their primes, but they're still good after their prime years. You know what I'm saying? And I think Can he Kawhi's at that chip? back end. Can you count on Kawhi to win you a chip? Shit, bro. Damn. Like you said, we, when healthy. We, we when know healthy, with Brian, yeah. we know with Brian, we ain't counting on Brian to win us a chip no more. He can be on a championship team, but he ain't winning us a chip at this point. KD can still win you a chip. That's the thing, bro. Like, I got to see him play a consistent game, a consistent stretch. Well, well when is it going to happen? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's the That's the problem, too, bro. Like, damn. And that's why I say yes to your question of he's out of his prime because the knee injuries have caught up to him, obviously. Like, okay, like this is the second year in a row. You're trying to come back from the ACL thing, trying to come over a knee procedure, and you can't even play back-to-backs. You're not playing a consistent stretch of games. It's like, damn, how can I trust this at all? But I don't want to say no because I still think he has the ability, but it's like, is he going to be healthy enough to show off that ability is, is my question, dog. No, bro. That's a tough one, bro. I, I can't answer that question right now. I can't. I say that. not too wild, bro. I say not too wild. Because I remember I posed the question like two years ago, I think. I think I said Kawhi Leonard will, will not win another championship in his career. And I think mm-hmm. at that time, I think you may have said not too wild. I think you said too wild at that moment. I said not too wild. But I think it's coming full circle again with that question. Can he win another championship? We don't even know if he can play consistently anymore, let alone win another chip. I think that's why I say, yeah, I people could have said I was saying that too early when I said it, but I was looking at it full circle. I'm like, nah, bro, it's like that's something we really got to talk about. Can he win another one? I think it's too early, dog, because I, I still think he has a championship team around him. I still think he can win a championship, but the biggest if is him. But they're building the team around him, bro. Like, it's mm-hmm. hard for a championship-caliber team to win when you're the person they've built around. That's like mm-hmm. with that's like with uh, the Miami Heat when Braun was there. It's like the team was built, basically, around LeBron. We know D-Wade is the leader of that team. We know Chris Bosh, what he can do, Ray Allen, blah, blah, blah. But if Braun not playing, like, are we really looking at the But the I'm Heatles? saying, I'm like, saying the win? biggest if. That's why I said the biggest if is him. Is he going to play? If yeah. he plays, this team will be fine. But that's the biggest if. If I think if they play, they, if he plays and he's healthy, he still has the ability. He still has the ability. I've seen enough this season to say that he still has the ability. 
Because we both but, had the Clippers going to the conference finals, I think. That's what I'm saying. I, st- I still think he has the ability, bro. But it's the health. And, I, and that's a big thing. I don't want to push that off to the side like it's not a big thing. That's a huge deal. He has to be healthy. But if he is healthy, I think they will still go far. They'll still go far. All right. Moving on. What you got? You, oh, you, uh, I thought you had another one. Uh, oh, okay. Which team has the better chance of winning a playoff round? The Pelicans or the Kings? Quincy been telling me I need to get on the Kings bandwagon now for it's too late. He also been saying the same shit about the Pelicans. I'm not on either. But if he had to choose right now, would you pick the Pelicans or the Kings to win a playoff round this season? If they were to make both teams were to make the playoffs. Easily the Pelicans, bro. The Pelicans have offense and they have defense. I think the 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 Kings are still still uh offensively driven. Like if they're not getting on offensive, hitting on all of the offensive cylinders, I think they have a limited ceiling. Because defensively, and they still have a lot of question marks. You know, the yeah, they're one of the, the best teams defensively. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they're, they're not one of the best teams defensively. So I think that's why. But I think the Pelicans, with all of the pieces that they have in place, they got a defensive player of the year, Kennedy, and uh, Herb Jones. Zion is a, a defensive liability. So I think teams will uh, attack him during the playoffs. But offensively, I don't think nobody can really stop that team, bro. You got McCollum. You got Ingram. Even fucking Valanchunas is a fucking bucket yeah. if you give him the ball. And then you True. still got Zion, too. I, I, I was, that's easy for me, is the Pelicans. Yeah, for me too. I just know you was on the Kings bandwagon already. So no, like, but yeah. shout out to the Kings though because they did win seven in a row. They just lost tonight to the the Hawks. But yeah, light the, the beam, light the beam. <laughs> <laughs> just lost to the Hawks, but they won seven in a row before that. And I just we talked about it last week though. I think they're they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're going to make the playoffs. I also picked the Pelicans for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one. Texas is the best team in the nation for college basketball, of course. Too wild or not too wild. I just want to let y'all know, Texas is averaging like 80 points a game, and they're shooting over like 52% from the field, bro. Like, And they have one of the best plus minuses in college basketball right now. Tyrese Hunter, Marcus Carr, them boys going crazy. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Texas. I was on Texas last year, too. I think Texas, they're they're ranked number four, but I think they are the best team in the nation. Too wild or not too wild? I would say too wild. I would still give it to North Carolina and still seen otherwise. I would have to see something go against North Carolina to go with somebody else. I think they just have too much at every position. I think uh, Caleb... Caleb is going to have a big year. Caleb Love. They still got Ryan Davis. The whole championship team basically came back, except for Brady Manning. Like, I think they still have the best team in place. And you see how far they went last year. So I think they still have the best big in college with uh, my man, Armando Baycott. So I would still give it to uh, North Carolina. But Texas does have a deeper team, I think. I think North Carolina, that's one of their problems is that they don't go deep enough. But I think... Right now, if I was to pick who would go further in a tournament, I would still go with North Carolina. Because defensively right now, bro, I'm telling you, Timmy Allen, see, I think he going to come I, in the clutch, bro. I think I'm we see you. this every year with Texas of like, damn, they're one of those teams that, damn, Texas is good as hell this year. Damn, Texas, because this isn't your, this, last year wasn't your first year talking good about Texas. It honestly right. was the past couple of years that you talked about Texas. But what do they do in a tournament? Fold. So yeah, and that's why that's my thing. Like I, we can talk about Texas. I, I've just seen it too many times with Texas. Of like, oh, I fall in love with the style of play, 
And then I see what happens in the tournament, and it's like, where did that get you? You being the deepest team, you playing this type of defense, they usually just don't make enough shots <laughs> in the playoffs. That usually is always their Achilles heel. So if that shores up this season, I could see something with Texas. But but I, but I see that don't. happening this year, bro. Like that's why I said, like they're making over half of their shots this it's season. It's too early in the season, though, bro. It's they're, four games in. They're not shooting well from um what you call it. They're not shooting well from the three right now. They're terrible as hell. From and the that's my point. Line. That's usually where they struggle from. <laughs> so so that's gonna make or break them this season, and clearly it's broken them for the last couple seasons. But I, I say not too wild, bro. I think Texas the best team in the nation right now. We only like four or five games in, like Quincy said but i see it early this is a team we're gonna be talking about when it comes to march madness bro all right i got one for two on wednesday neither zach wilson nor mac jones will be the future quarterbacks of their respective teams jets and pats not too wild we already seeing it with uh zach wilson mac jones he already in a struggle we got the third string quarterback zappy coming out here damn near winning games or winning games are playing just as good as him so I say not too wild. Zach Wilson already halfway proving your point, and Mac Jones, it's only going to take a couple more mistakes for Bill to be like, all right, on to the next. But isn't that crazy that these boys was just top two and then a top 15 picker in Mac Jones, and we talk about they're not going to be a, a, their franchise quarterbacks in I probably next year. I was never that high on Mac Jones to begin with, bro. Yeah, Devontae Smith made Mac Jones, bro. It's impossible to be an Alabama quarterback with that elite of a receiving core and not win football games. Like, of course, of course, you're going to look good as fuck every damn game. Like, you're throwing to the best receiver in the nation. Damn, near the best receiver to ever play college football. We talking about stats and Heisman and all that shit. So it's like, of course, of course, we're going to get the stats. Like, we're used to seeing third strings at Alabama play better than a lot of teams' first strings. But that don't mean mm -hmm. that they're literally the best. It's just the fact that you're playing with top talent all the time. I was telling people before Matt Jones was drafted, it's like, he's good, but I wouldn't say he's, like, top prospect, going to change a, a football culture. I, I just didn't see that. So I, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots move off of him at least within the next season or two. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like you said, he's already in a battle for his life with the third string. I'm pretty sure they're going to draft somebody else to be above him. I wouldn't be surprised. Bill moves off his quarterback pretty quickly. All right, man. Anything else man. for two hour Wednesday? I got one more. Okay. The Ravens are becoming the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. Too wild or not too wild? I know we talked about a lot about the Chiefs Ooh, early. I know we talked a lot about the Chiefs early in the episode. But the Ravens have won, what, they last four games? And they have one of the easiest schedules to end out the rest of the year, bro. So I think they could clearly win out the rest of their schedule. Damn, they're going undefeated if they don't play stupid. And I think they could pose a threat to the Chiefs, bro. Because just like how we said with number 15, he going to make shit happen. Number mm -hmm. eight clearly making shit happen with this <laughs> damn Ravens team right now, bro. So yeah. we can't look over this, man. And – I, don't, I haven't looked at stats recently to say whether Lamar in the MVP race or not, but he got to at least be the third or fourth mentioned name. No, he, he's in the conversation. Being the, the conversation. catalyst for the team, because if Lamar go down right now, the, the Ravens playoff hopes, forget Super Bowl hopes, they playoff hopes, I ain't even worried about them at that point of winning a game. So yeah. I say not too wild to the Ravens are becoming the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. I completely agree. I, I, I do not completely agree. I completely disagree. I, I think that's too wild. I think the Chiefs are the best. But I do agree that Lamar should be in the MVP conversation. And it's it's so crazy when Lamar 
plays well. And I don't think he played well this week. He played against the Panther this week. He didn't play well at all. He didn't play well this week. But they're winning games. But when Lamar plays well, you hear nothing from the media. And But when Lamar plays bad or terrible, like if he would have lost this week to Carolina, niggas would have been having his, running his name through the fucking dirt. He would have been a fucking dead man. But it's just funny how that, that double standard is. When he's playing well, we hear crickets. And when he's playing uh, terrible, we hear everything. Oh, my goodness. He's the worst quarterback. He's a running back. Oh, he's a, he should play wide receiver. Hear all that bullshit again. So that's the crazy thing with Lamar. He don't get his credit where credit is deserved, even though he's improved so much. He's doing this with all of his weapons being hurt. He doesn't have Bateman anymore. Andrews has been injured the most of this season. And then your running backs are getting hurt. You don't have J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards is hurt. Once again, everything is on this man's shoulders to do everything. It's like, how much can one man do? But he's still continuing to win games. And he doesn't get the credit. That's why I agree that he should be in the MVP conversation just off that fact alone. Who is making shit shake with this team? This team is garbage. I mean, the defense, I give a lot of credit to the defense because the defense has played well. Shout out to Roquan Smith, too. But that offense is some shit, bro. I'm sorry. All of those pieces getting uh, hurt. And out, come on, bro. That offense is shit. Hey, I think they're the best team, bro. They coming up. They creeping up on it if they ain't already labeled the best team. And it's strictly off of the strength of Lamar. It ain't got nothing to do with Oh, that's what else. I'm saying. I'm going yeah. strictly off of the strength of number eight. All right, moving on to entertainment and current events. We got Balenciaga sexualizing children. Yeah, bro. So the popular, well-known, um, famous luxury brand of Balenciaga has recently found themselves in headlines after a commercial advertisement. Funny enough, I've never seen a commercial for Balenciaga. You don't usually see commercials for luxury brands because crack sells itself. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but apparently there was a um, Balenciaga advertisement recently that featured a small girl holding like teddy bears with sexualized like Balenciaga clothing. I think she was um she she herself didn't have on the sexual clothing that Balenciaga was showing in the commercial. But that why would you have kids in this type of commercial with these type of clothes? And in the doc in um in the commercial there was a document off to the side about a legal case in the United States when it came to uh like sexual sexualizing children and whatnot that somebody mm -hmm. zoomed in and screenshotted and put on social media so it was kind of like balenciaga knew what they were doing they just didn't expect anybody i guess they didn't expect those commoners to watch that commercial and mm -hmm. say anything about it so a lot of people have been outraged bro and they gave out this bullshit ass apology saying you know uh this is not our standard and we sincerely apologize for any offense of our holiday campaign. Our plush bear bags should not have been featured with children in this campaign. We have immediately removed the campaign from all platforms. But a lot of people saying, look, y'all companies was ready to ban Kanye from I mean, ban Kyrie from basketball, make this man apologize <laughs> to the Jews, make this man complete a whole homework list. No, all we boy. get is a bullshit ass apology from Balenciaga and niggas still gonna buy Balenciaga clothes and shoes. That's so. what I want to talk about, bro, because I feel like this is a social experiment. How far, how far does Balenciaga have to go for you to, to cancel them? Balenciaga knows y'all will not cancel them because y'all are in too deep. Y'all love going to their store because it is a status symbol. 
And it, since it is, it is a status symbol, you will continue to buy us no matter what we do, what we say. Because this isn't the first case we've heard of something like this. When it comes to Balenciaga, we've heard about some racism in the past. The same way we've heard about some shit like um, commercials or advertisements from Gucci as well. And people still go to Gucci. This is a social experiment to see how far people will go to still like cancel a brand. Like you said, we've seen all of that shit about the anti-Semitism with uh, Kyrie and Kanye. But when it comes down to some real shit about sexualizing children, everybody still goes. And I think people are fake mad about this shit, bro. Because y'all going to be mad on the internet. Make sure everybody knows you mad on the internet. But you tiptoeing into Balenciaga and getting your goddamn new shoes and your new shirt. And yeah, you tiptoeing back out because you want to so you want to show people that you're in this you're in this uh, uh, tier of status. So it's like I think people fake mad about this shit, bro. This is some shit that's gonna pass in a cycle of news. And the people who really should be mad are the people who actually buy this shit all the time. Like I ain't seeing too many famous black people be mad enough, bro. Not even just black people. Could these was like little white girls in the commercial, and and it shouldn't matter what race you are to be mad about kids because they're kids. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen enough celebrities really come out and denounce Balenciaga, saying they ain't never gonna wear Balenciaga again. Blah blah blah. It was basketball players out here just not siding with Kyrie. You know what I'm saying? Like Nike <laughs> dropped Kyrie, everything. Like people was willing to just cut Kyrie completely off. Niggas gonna still buy that Balenciaga though, because <laughs> Gucci showed us, Burberry showed us, who else? Uh, Montclair. Like all these luxury brands, like Quincy said, they done showed us already that they can get away with racist shit. But Gucci could drop a shirt right now to say we don't like black people. We're gonna go to the mall and see a whole bunch of black people in line. Buying shit from Gucci, bro. They no they cool. weren't talking about me specifically. They just said yeah. <laughs> niggas gonna come up with an excuse to still buy that shit, bro. Cause somebody on Twitter said we're gonna be mad about this for like two weeks, and then Balenciaga sales gonna go right back up like next month. Cause next month, December, gonna see a lot of niggas getting Balenciaga for Christmas still, even though they seen what just happened. That's what I'm saying, bro. That's why like I don't even get mad about certain shit like that. I just want to see how people react to it. Everybody is going to be up in arms over this shit about, oh, man, I can't believe they do this shit. Oh, my God. But they're going to forget about this shit in the next couple of weeks, bro. And they're going to keep doing what they did. Because I don't think, I think it was either Gucci or it was some clothing brand. They had a little black kid wearing something about being a monkey. And niggas was outraged. I want to say oh, was that Gucci. was, um, who was that? Damn, who was that, bro? I think it was, was H&M. That, that was H&M, H&M and we still go to H&M. H&M. After that bullshit, we still go to H&M like we don't remember that situation. And I'm guilty of that shit too, because I still go to H&M. But it's like, damn, they've already showed us that they don't fuck with us. They don't give a fuck how we're represented in the advertisement light. But we still give our money to these people. And that was you know a kid too. That was that a situation was a where we could have been mad whether it was a kid with the shirt on or just because of the shirt. Like mm-hmm. they had us in both um situations exactly. then. Actually, they had us in three. Young kid, a black kid, and a black kid with a monkey shirt on. It's like, <laughs> damn, they hit all three with that shit. And we completely did not care. We still go to damn H&M. That's, That's what I'm wild. saying. That's what I'm saying. Even I'm guilty of this shit, bro. It's like, we're going to be mad for two weeks. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it ain't no point of me sitting here tweeting about how we just need to cancel, blah, blah, blah. I do what you do, bro. I just sit back and see what people going to say. Are y'all really mad or are y'all just mad for the moment and y'all finna keep scrolling on y'all phones? And then, like, within the next two, three weeks, damn, I like them Balenciaga socks. <laughs> well, well, this wasn't in the commercial, so I'm not gonna get 
like, I'm not going to be mad at the shoes. The shoes weren't in the commercial. Shut the fuck up. Y'all are either mad or y'all not, bro. Like, I, I hate that shit. I hate the yeah. fake mad shit. Hate the fake mad. Moving on. That's and honestly, that should be on the next episode of like woke or something, bro. That has to yeah. be on the next season of woke. That has to be on like a niggas yeah, just being fake mad, shit, just being bro. tired of this shit. Like, all right, bro. You ain't really as mad about it. All right, moving on to the next topic. We got Elon Musk. He duped us, man. He duped us. So if y'all have if y'all weren't on Twitter this week, y'all probably don't understand what this means. <laughs> <laughs> but man. Everybody on Twitter was in shambles thinking that Twitter was going to go away. Everybody was hearing the reports that Elon Musk fired all of his employees and fired all of his engineers, all of his social media people, all of the important integral people of Twitter. The report was that Elon Musk fired them all and that Twitter was not going to make it another week. And that was last week. So apparently they made it another week. So, and it's funny because during the whole meltdown and when everybody was like, saying, oh, Twitter was going to go down. R.I.P. Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, niggas were saying R.I.P. Twitter. Elon Musk tweets out that this was the highest uh, search. What what did he say? This was the highest. This was the highest activity that Twitter has seen in its history. In its history. So many that had so many new users over that short amount of time that they said they were going to, you know what I'm saying, it's going to be R.I.P. Twitter. So many people joined Twitter just to see how people were reacting. So many people were uh, tweeting, getting their shit off. So everybody was uh, active on the platform. That was the most active Twitter has been. And Twitter isn't going anywhere. That's why I said Elon Musk duped us. He is the one who hired these reporters to say that he fired everybody. And this shit wasn't (laughs) going to last just to get this activity. And it worked. (laughs) It worked. Twitter is still here. And I just wanted to put it out. He duped us, bro. That shit was funny as hell. I, I didn't think Twitter was going away not that easily, bro. Like, I don't know why people was, like, real deal worried about the shit. Niggas, like, follow me on Instagram. We got yeah, to go to Facebook. Like, <laughs> niggas was like, so are we supposed to go to Facebook or some shit? Like, <laughs> that shit was funny, bro. Because, like, the closest thing to Twitter, for real, is Facebook. The only thing with Facebook is Mark ain't going to hesitate to kick y'all ass off. Because mm-hmm. you got to be real careful with what you say on Facebook nowadays. That's- IG, you, you can kind of get away with crazy-ass IG comments. But if you mm-hmm. even cuss too much on goddamn Facebook, Mark, mm-hmm. like, nah, bro, you got to cut that shit out. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, that shit does, bro. I just wanted to point that out, man. Elon Musk, dude. Everybody was in shambles. That Twitter was gone. Twitter is still here. It's still standing strong. And even Trump got his Twitter back. So he's even adding people back to the, the Twitter salvation. So uh, we see where Twitter stands. I, I don't know how that's going to go. Um I'm really interested to see because I don't think he's tweeted any. I don't think Trump has tweeted anything since getting his Twitter back the other day. So I'm interested to see what he's going to say, not necessarily when he's going to say something, because are you still going like, well, because the next presidential campaign ain't going to start until next year for 2024. So damn, bro. Didn't you like, say wait, Kanye, wait. Was Kanye was going to run with him or what? what what's yeah, so, so Kanye, when Kanye found out that Trump got his Twitter bag, he put a poll out saying, uh, would y'all want us to be running mates? And I'm glad you brought that up. This goes all the way back to our point that we were trying to tell y'all of why we just, we don't care when it comes to Kanye anymore, bro. All that Jewish shit is out the way now. Y'all see, ain't nobody been talking about that shit the last couple weeks now, for real. Like, all that Kanye standing up for black people again, blah, blah, blah. And what he do? He get one of the most racist people we've seen when it comes to social media shit and presidency. 
Like he's saying, mm-hmm. you want to be my running mate? And I ain't seen no black people stand up for this man yet since he done said that the other day. So it's like, see, he told y'all. He gets y'all. Bro, Kanye West is pro-black when it's convenient to him. Right now, that shit ain't convenient to him no more. Right now, he just on, I'm worrying about myself. I'm worrying about yay type shit. But don't worry. Some shit will happen again later down the line when he try to cultivate all black people together. But right now, he just worried about his own shit. And that includes working with Donald Trump. So, I, I don't know. I wasn't shocked by seeing that. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, here you go again. <laughs> I'm not black. I'm Kanye. That's I'm the new Kanye. rap now. <laughs> All right, man. Moving on. We got another mass shooting. Yeah, bro. So there were two mass shootings in, in less than a week. Um, Colorado Springs, there were like 10 people killed. Um, Well, 10 people shot, wounded, and killed collectively at a Colorado Springs LGBTQ club. That was wild. And then literally like 24 hours ago, there was um, a mass shooting at a Walmart. A former employee, a manager, I think, he killed six people at the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia, and then killed himself on top of injuring like four other people. And we're in that we're in that matrix shit again, bro, of like people are just scrolling past the shit. Like we've had two mass shootings of where damn near 20 people have died, like recently within the last seven days and we're just like damn and it's nothing and it's nothing that we can do about it because we're so desensitized to the point where damn we're seeing a mass shooting every week dog and it's nothing that it's that we're doing nothing but we're not even fully processing the mass shootings you know what i'm saying like i knew about one of these mass shootings that happened in chesapeake virginia because i went there for a job one time so i actually know what this is this is like around virginia beach area but I didn't know anything about the one in Colorado Springs, which is like crazy because we're not fully processing what's going on around us. We're just walking around like this shit can't happen to us. And I think that's what's more scary about it. We're walking around like we're untouchable when the world is showing us that we are not, bro. Like the world is showing us that, nigga, you can get touched by anybody. They can be your manager that you think you're cool with. It can be anybody because you don't know what they got going on inside of them. But we still scroll past it like it can't happen to us. I think that's more of like the key and like everything that's been happening over these past few weeks. And, and it's happening in places, bro, that we, you just look like, damn, like if it could happen there, it damn sure could happen here. Like, cause it's not a situation like with, with the Boston, um, with the Boston marathon bombing that happened a few years ago, excuse me. It's like not, not saying, okay, but it's like, that's Boston, a big city. You know, and that's um, like, and that's very rare, but that being a bombing, like that was rare back then. That was very rare. But like when you hear big cities mentioned when it comes to killings and mass shootings Mm -hmm. and whatnot, it's like, damn, well, at least I know to stay in my little secluded rural area of the United Mm -hmm. States or like, no, this shit can happen in wherever the fuck South Dakota. Like this shit (laughs) can happen here. Like, bro, in St. Pete, Florida, bro, like some shit can happen like that here. Like, Chesapeake, Virginia, Colorado Springs. Like, bro, what do they do in Colorado other than live in the mountains and smoke weed and watch the Denver Broncos? Like, what the fuck are they doing in Colorado other than that, bro? So the fact that small places are just as likely to have this shit happen as major cities goes to your point of it could be anybody, bro. It could be anybody anywhere. And you said this a few weeks ago. We can't even go to the grocery store or the movies without peeping everybody in the in the area and be like, all right, this shit looks safe. Let's hope for the next couple hours while I'm watching this movie, I leave out this bitch. Exactly. But it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to think like that when you go to the movies. When you go to Colorado Springs, when you just go 
like you at a gay club, you secluded with your own type of people. You're not in the mix with all the regular clubs or heterosexual people. Y'all are in your own space, your own environment in a in a rural city. That mm-hmm. shit shouldn't happen, bro. Like so, it it's just wild that it can really happen anywhere, anytime. It don't matter if you live in bum the fuck Nevada or whatever. It don't matter, bro. <laughs> yeah, that shit is nuts, man. Definitely rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers to all of the people that passed away and were injured uh, during those two mass shootings. But it continues to happen, and nothing is being done. That shit is crazy, man. But uh, moving on to the next topic, we got taking MLK out of the history books. All right, so we had a conversation about this about a few months ago because we were having a conversation about critical race theory being taken out of schools because people were having a problem with their white kids knowing about, the, you know what I'm saying, the black side of things. And But this is the thing that I wanted to talk about with uh, MLK specifically because it was a story in Virginia that a mother didn't like that her son was finding out about Martin Luther King and she ended up telling the person who wrote the book to take MLK out of all of the the books that he's ever made. And now he's going to end uh, end up printing out uh, the history books, but without Martin Luther King Jr. But my question is, bro, why is Martin Luther King Jr. the one that you take out of the book? Like, why why is he the one that people or white people specifically have a problem with? Like, he was trying to unify the races. So why are you trying to take, why are you trying to take him out of the books I can understand from the white perspective why you're mad at somebody like a Malcolm X, for example, a Huey Newton, for example. But fucking somebody like a, a Martin Luther King who was trying to unify, was trying to make everything equal, you have a problem with? You want Malcolm or Ma- Martin Luther King out of books? It doesn't make sense to me on that standpoint, bro. It just doesn't make sense. But because, bro, they're they're trying to find any and every way possible to completely erase the thought of inequality out of the mind of young white kids. Like they really wanted to seem like America started here. We're going to skip all of this because it nothing really happened in time for these hundreds of years. And then we're going to go right here to like the last 30 or 40 years. That's all they want to talk about, bro. Like they don't want to talk about shit else because if you keep Martin Luther King, questions are going to rise with these students. Like, well, why was he trying? Because if you want to get rid of critical race theory, you got to get rid of Jim Crow. If you get rid of Jim Crow, eventually you're going to have to get rid of Martin Luther King, even though Martin Luther King, to your point, did a lot more to try to unify everyone instead of just be pro-black and keep up this wall. Mm-hmm. So kid, kids are they're sponges, bro. They try to they try to soak up everything. If you find out Martin Luther, if you're like seven or eight years old and you're finding out Martin Luther King is standing up for equality of all races and trying to make sure black people have an equal place in America, kids are going to say, well, why was he trying to fight for equal rights? Like, weren't we already already equal and blah, blah, blah? Then as a teacher, you got to sit there and say, nah, it was really like this. Well, why isn't this in the book? Um, blah, blah, blah. And then you and then you're, you're going to have parents mad at you because it's like, no, just talk about what's in the book. But as a teacher, you're like, y'all kids asking me about shit that needs to be talked about. And, I, and that's crazy how we can really be shielded from the real in America. Everything can literally just be whitewashed to the point where if a mother, a white mother complains, she can really get something done and she can really change history books because of a complaint that she has. 
That is nuts to me, bro. Oh, oh, when it comes to white women complaining, ain't nobody. That's nuts to me because obviously it's not gonna work like that for us. Like if we were, if 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 it came to black people, if a black mother complained about something like a low tier nigga like Christopher Columbus and said that nigga didn't sail the ocean blue, nigga, we would get cursed off the planet. They'll probably throw us in jail for some shit like that. But when it comes to a white woman, if you say anything regarding a black historical figure, they gonna take that nigga right out. That shit is crazy, dog. But let us say that Christopher Columbus didn't sell the ocean blue, or that he stole America from the Indians. Oh, hell no. This shit crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. just weird. So that's why I say I understand. The, I don't understand it, but we've already heard about the critical race theory thing. But taking somebody like Martin Luther King out of history books is just... You brought up a good point, though. Of like, If you talk about him, you got to talk about everything else. You, you got to talk about everything else, bro. And mm-hmm. it, it all circles back to critical race theory because children are going to ask questions. Children ask questions about dumb shit all the time. They definitely going to ask a bunch of questions when they actually start piecing one and one together. So mm-hmm. I, I think it all goes to the fact that they're trying to erase as much truthful history as possible to where all they got is Christopher Columbus discovering America, the British are coming, the British are coming, a couple important white figures in America, and then boom, like the last 30 years of where we are. They'll, bro, they'll probably even try to take out the crack epidemic, bro. Like, they'll probably try to whitewash everything to the point to where there When is, I was in school, the crack no epidemic people. wasn't in there. The crack epidemic wasn't in history books when I was in school, so I know it's not. And it, and it should have been. Like, it yeah, it should have been. Like, such an integral part of black history, like, is not in history. But it's books. black like, history, though. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like, that, and that's something that we can resonate with, because we know what crackheads are. Like, we, mm-hmm. like, that's something that I don't think gets talked about enough in schools, because like you said, we, that wasn't even in our history books. But the whole process of just say no, hugs, not drugs, like, dare to be different, like, that whole era of the the Reagan administration and what was going on with the 80s and 90s of how drugs really tore down the black community, how the fuck is that not in history books? Those are our uncles and aunties and shit, bro. Like, Mm. these are people who ain't no older than like 50, 60, 70 years old that we are alive to see. So we don't even know, like, if if you're like 19 or younger right now, history that happened with your immediate family you're not even getting taught that. So they're definitely taking out anything before that. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the crazy thing because you got to think about the little black kid in these classes not being taught about the black history. And where does he have to get this information from? Does he have to have does he have to ask his mom and his dad about just the history of his people? Like that shit is so crazy. At least we got now. I gotta be thankful that we were at least taught about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X in school. Because the kids that are coming up aren't even going to have that, bro. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't even like we learned a lot. It was still whitewashed for us. We still didn't learn about a lot of shit when I was coming up in history class. So I know it's going to be tough for those kids coming up. And and shout out to Southside Christian Academy. For those of y'all who don't know, unless you're from St. Pete and you know us, that's where we went to elementary school. And we learned about black figures there because that that was Mm -hmm. a black-ran school. So shout out to them for still being up and running still on top of that. Like, they made sure and taught us about people we did not learn at all after that. Middle school, Mm -hmm. high school, we learned a lot of black history in elementary school that a lot of other black kids or just other kids in general probably would not have learned at other public um elementary schools. And that's real, bro. So definitely appreciate them for that, man. But 
And 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 I think it, it all of this falls on the shoulder of parents now, because your your kids have to still know the information. They have to know mm-hmm. what came before them. So now all of the 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 burden falls on the parents. Like you have to teach your kids now. Like you have to, you know, what I'm saying, sit them down one day and have a conversation. You know, what I'm saying, maybe you can stumble into the conversation about like historical figures of like, okay, this is who this was. Maybe take them to a museum, show them this and that. But they have to know about who came before them. I think that's such a huge part in growing up being black. And moving on to past the Ox, man. What we got for song of the week? I got Purple Rain by Prince and the Revolution. R.I.P. Prince, man. I was listening to Doves Cry. Like, I was listening to a whole bunch of Prince today on the way home from work. But Purple Rain, for sure. I would say My Lover's Prayer by Otis Redding will be my song of the week. I was watching Sopranos this week, and it was a, it was a scene that was perfectly... Uh, matched up with the song, and I, I fucking loved it. And I downloaded the song and everything, and been playing it this whole week. So my lover's prayer about uh, Otis ready. And what we got for movie and show reviews? Uh, we've done She Hulk. Check that out before the end of the year. Uh, we we reviewed the entire show. So uh, we talked about Halloween ends. Don't worry, darling, barbarian. Like we did a whole horror recap for some of the biggest horror movies of this year. Uh, we still got to do Raising Canaan season two review. I think Power Book Two Ghost, their new season starts February. beginning of December. Oh wait, oh it real? does. December? Oh, damn, I, I thought it was December. Hold, Hold on. on, I thought it was February. I thought the niggas on, came now. back in February. Hold on, let me December. See. Damn, that shit came up quick as shit. Hold on, let I me thought see. it was definitely let's February. See. Y'all want no more than me though. I don't know. I don't know. That shit ain't probably either way. Uh, we looking forward to that, but we definitely got our Raising Canaan review coming. Um, we did Black Panther. I gotta drop our Black Panther review, so I would still try to get that out for y'all as soon as possible. Uh, but we gotta do our Avatar review as well before the second Avatar movie comes out. Yeah, and that's the next thing that we're gonna do. Will be the Avatar one. Definitely gotta get on that. We've already watched the movie. Basically got the review. We just haven't recorded it. <laughs> so we definitely got to get that out for y'all. But we appreciate you guys for listening and watching. And we out. Peace. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the Q&E podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And feel free to listen to us anytime on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Submit all questions and inquiries to Q&E podcast at gmail.com.